I didn't have the the context to come out of this movie going, oh, that was great, or oh man, that was yeah. awful. I just felt like, oh, that was a movie somebody made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. Everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Yellow. And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Share. Hi there. And we have another guest today. Yay! 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 Uh, Aaron Dicer, who is also on YouTube. I am. Yeah, you can search your movie friend on YouTube. You'll find my stuff. Yeah, you're a movie friend. You also have a podcast called Sift Pop. Yeah, Sift Pop Podcast. You can subscribe at whatever podcast player you choose to use. Uh, on YouTube, between uh, CinemaSins and myself, we have like millions of subscribers. Yeah, so, that's correct. That's correct. That's, uh, uh, for those of you at home, Aaron is a college buddy of mine. We went to school together and enjoyed The Simpsons and movies and bowling. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm really excited to have him on because in addition to the YouTube channel and the podcast, Aaron is a professional movie reviewer. Mm-hmm. And in Springfield? Yeah, Springfield, Springfield Missouri. Missouri. Yep. And so he reviews movies on the television news, like a real professional and stuff. Springfield, um, Springfield, it's a hell of a time. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're going to get into, after we talk 2009, we're going to talk a little bit about reviewing movies from both our perspective and his and uh, some of his experiences because he gets screeners and gets to go to the Critics Awards and like rub elbows with Tom Hanks and all that. That is exactly how it is. You stick your elbows out <laughs> mm-hmm. walk by people and yep. just... Rub and each then you can elbows. just tell people that I rubbed elbows. Yeah, Tom Tom not lying. No, no, right I'm not here. lying. Not I didn't here. say anything to him. I yeah. just bumped him. But. Yeah, exactly. All right, so but uh, today we're going to continue our best of the years we've been alive, and it's going to be 2009. Sound good? Yes, sir. He made me this color so that I may talk. Squirrel. I don't want to say anything that's anti-feminist. I really appreciate everything that your generation did for me. It was our pleasure. Well done. Are you cussing with me? No, you cussing with me. Don't cuss and point. You're going to cuss with someone. You're not going to cuss with me, you little cuss. This is going to ruin my whole day. Time to nut up or shut up. Tigers love pepper. They hate cinnamon. And all the whores and politicians will look up and shout, save us. And I'll whisper, no. But you guys still think I'm going to be okay at the company, right? I mean, you guys are going to, you know, take down the bad guys, but I'll be okay, right? Mm-hmm. This, this is a tough time. year. It is it a tough is. year because there's no, there's no. There will be blood in this year. There's no heavy hitting. Mm. Um, there's like, like I said when I got here. There's six or seven really good movies I like that I'm trying to decide what to vote, but nothing that just goes. I'm the best. Yeah, yeah. I had nine. I had nine that I was really considering. Yeah, for and this so year. this should be an interesting. Well, discussion. this was also the first year that the Academy seriously considered ten movies. Yeah, which that's right is insane. You look yeah. at the list. And it's like, no, 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 <laughs> no, no. Give us some of half the Half of them, half of them, Avatar, no. Oh, my God. The Blind Side, no. Ooh. Uh, District 9, no. Um, Precious, no. Um, And then you have some maybe sort of. Are you like, telling me Avatar was nominated for Best Picture? Fuck Absolute, yeah. Absolutely it was. Mm. I here's, here's the one on there that wouldn't have been on there that I'm glad it, it expanded for, and that's Up. Yeah, uh, I don't think Up would have been nominated for a Best Picture unless they expand to you know a few more movies, and so I was really glad to see. But did they keep the animated category as well, mm-hmm. and was yep. up in that one? Yep. Yeah. 
and I, it won, right? I'm sure it did. Yeah, I don't remember yeah, for a fact. I mean, that, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it did. And usually, when it's nominated for best picture, it's pretty much just foregone conclusion it's going to yeah. win. Um, well, but, let's talk about Up then, should we? Yeah, sure. Uh, Up is uh, infamously. Uh, has what I think is Pixar's best moment ever mm -hmm. with the montage in the beginning, which is heartbreaking. But then this movie takes a hard left turn into zany country mm -hmm. where we have talking dogs and an evil Zeppelin driver. And <laughs> it just it, it is one of the most bonkers Pixar movies ever. Right. It's really interesting because people remember it for that first, you know, 10 to 15 minutes or whatever. It's kind of like this short film that's better than any short film you've ever seen. And then it becomes kind of your typical Pixar movie with, you know, the heart in there amongst the zaniness and the characters. Yeah. Maybe the best example of show don't tell in mm -hmm. that montage. Right? Yeah. yeah. Because you feel all the feelings and there's no narrator telling you what to think. And there's no it's, there's nothing uh, in your face about that. It's just uh, watch. Does Up have sort of the same reputation that Wally does? I, I think it does. Is it's, up is up Pete Doctor? Did did Pete Doctor do I up? Think which, Pete, which I, I think that was did. Pete Doctor. I think he did. He's um, so good, man. I think the up uh, opening montage is definitely more cited than the Wally opening uh, dialogue free stuff. For sure, for sure. Because it's it's more like Wally just explores and it it definitely shows and not tells, but up hits you in the gut. Yeah, yeah. It's oh like, yeah, it's, it's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just to verify, Pete Doctor did, and and along with Bob Peterson, one always does animation, one does right. the other stuff. Right. Um, but yeah, um, Up, it, to me, has that sort of reputation, right? Like, it, we consider it one of their best, their very best, but also it kind of, like, starts sliding down after that huge, like, amazing opening and yeah. everything. And you kind of just kind of... Oh yeah, this is good, but you you really set the bar high at the beginning, and now we're having to like catch up. Although yeah. I will say the the old man kid relationship in that all the way through is perfect. Yeah, like, the way they use them together. Yeah. to create the the themes and the meaning and the message in that movie. It I reminds really me. Good. I shouldn't say this, but I'm gonna. It reminds me of Bad Santa in that way. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Because please explain, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, the first Bad Santa up comparison. Uh, because there's a crusty up. older guy who really doesn't want to deal with this kid, but by the end, he's really endeared himself to the to yeah. the old man. Um, and that's really all it has in common with Bad Santa, except for the anal sex. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Exactly. I've gone like yeah. six minutes and already busted out an anal sex. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I do see what you mean. Uh, uh, yeah, other than what you just said there at the end. Um, but yeah, this is, uh, this is fantastic. And I think this sort of completes their cycle that they've been going through since 2004 here. Yeah. Where they look like they were just on a tremendous role that would never ever stop but then after this yes toy story 3 is great but it's also unnecessary yeah and a whole bunch of sequels start coming out from pixar and their original stuff starts suffering too you know toy story the original was on the other day my wife was watching it and I, the first comment i made was look how far they've come animation wise mm -hmm. because you watch that first toy story now and there are so many rough edges but they will never match the charm of that first movie. Mm -hmm. I, I still say the third one is better than the second one. The second one's better than the first one. First one, never going to match that charm. Mm. Never. Yeah. It, it was magic. Yeah. Uh, and I also love the score in Up, mm -hmm. which I think is Michael Giacchino, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I sing it around the house all the time. <laughs> Doodle -doo -doo. Doodle -doo -doo. Anyway, uh, yeah, I love Up. That's dear to my heart. 
And it's great. Uh, one more thing about Up, I would say it's it's the prototypical Pixar putting more attention to voices about character than names, which is one of the things I love about them as compared to a lot of other animated films. They'll think of superstars they can get. And Pixar doesn't care. They just want the character to work. So having Ed Asner, yeah, of all yeah. people, you know, do this character. It's not somebody you can sell the movie by yeah, saying exactly. this guy's voice. Yeah, it's is not somebody you're going to put on a poster. It's somebody who's going to make the movie better. Yeah, it's kind of like Patton Oswalt and Ratatouille. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. There's an example of that in all their movies. Now, granted, they had Ellen DeGeneres in Finding Nemo, but Albert Brooks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not, yeah. I mean, and then you look at something like with Trolls. Where they cast right. Justin Timberlake, Timberlake and Anakin, yeah. Yeah. all the biggest stars yeah. possible to try and get you to come watch for their voices. You're right. Pixar does care more about character and when it's they to, cast. It's to the movie's deficit when you do that because all I'm picturing when I'm watching Trolls is Timberlake and Kendrick having a conversation yeah. in the studio instead of thinking about these characters. Yep. And what they're that's going part of through, the marketing so. too. Is they'll, right. they'll show them in the booth and all that stuff rather than and it was the same. There's there's other ones like they'll show Mike Myers in the studio mm-hmm. doing something for a Shrek movie. Antonio Banderas, you know, Cameron Diaz. But Pixar doesn't do that. No, I mean you can you can see that stuff on like the DVD extras yeah, and whatnot, yeah, yeah. but that's not how they market the yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. they okay. care about story. Let's talk about Avatar because we're going to have to. God dang it! <laughs> um, I, I watched, hate it. Oh, yeah, I hate it too. I watched it twice, in fact, in, before it came out. I watched the 2D version first, but then everybody was like, you know, the reviews I saw. Well, you got to see this in 3D. So I watched it in 3D. Still bad. Um, <laughs> what? 3D doesn't save awful story? <laughs> yeah, you would think, right? But it didn't. And I was so, I was shocked. But no, um, I don't under, I still don't understand this phenomenon. This was, I remember when Titanic came out. And I remember thinking, I can understand the phenomenon here. You have 14 and 15-year-old girls who keep coming to watch the movie over and over. It came out at the perfect time. As Avatar, Avatar came out at the exact same time as Titanic and Star Wars later on did. Um, But this one, I don't recall there being a lot of like, just, you know, a specific group of fan people that came to watch this. Yeah. It just, just everybody went to go see it. it. It had the Cameron hype machine though. Like Cameron has this thing. I don't get it. Like, I don't understand how it happens, but somehow through sheer force of personality, his movies just make billions of dollars. Well, like it's- up until now. But now he's going to strike when the iron's gone cold with these three or four planned Avatar sequels that won't even start for another year or two. I don't think anybody's going to give crap. I yeah, said the know. same thing about the first one, though, too. And, you know, it doubled every movie before. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, it made the was first, it our first billion dollar uh, worldwide. worldwide movie. I don't think it was the first. Uh, it may be the first to hit two billion, maybe. Mm. But well, this was huge with international audiences. We can't we can't ignore that that's part of the reason this was such a big movie. Well, yeah. It, it, in fact, it it made 73% of its money worldwide uh, in other markets yeah. other than ours. And it made a lot here. Yeah. It, it made, did. you know, 760 million, it made 2 billion on its own on other countries. And yeah, I mean, but then, but yeah, this movie uh, I think also had a long. You were ta- you, I think you referenced that it had a long time in coming. It was something oh, that yeah. he was he was doing for years. Yeah, absolutely. And there was there was just this idea that Cameron had something special that was coming. Now, see if that doesn't hit and everybody goes once and is like, oh, that that wasn't anything. Then I, you know, I get it. It makes you know maybe four hundred million. Yeah. But people were going two, three, four times to see this thing. So there's something there. I think it was Papa to- Dragon. 
Yeah, it's Papa Dragon. <laughs> this is Papa Dragon. But this, <laughs> also, the the thought that some people, like, there were people who were getting depressed because they couldn't go to Pandora. This is what I yeah. want to talk about, because I am apparently the only one in this room that kind of likes the movie. Okay. So this is the part I would I would talk about. When I walked out of that movie the first time, and I did see it in 3D the first time, mm-hmm. I looked around at the world around me. I'm not kidding. And I was like, I want to go back. Like, I want, mm-hmm. there's something about being, like, world creation, mm. Cameron nails. Like, you, yeah. like, he understands how to build a world. Now, telling a new and fresh story, maybe not so much. Yeah. But building a world that you want to exist in, that's why I'm so excited about the Avatar world that's coming at Disney next year. Yeah. Next summer, summer they're opening Avatar Worlds. That's exciting to me because you can kind of go live in it or experience it a little bit or whatever. So you're basically um, you're like ta- you're like talking about all the little things, like the they're able to connect. Yeah, to the little other... animals, how the world works, mm-hmm. the the beauty of the kind of the fluorescence and you know that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with him talking about the sequel being underwater, immediately I was like, well, that's perfect for him because he gets to build a whole nother you know, world in this area, the floating mountains, you know, whatever it was. I really think the that's sequel's going to be underwater. I had heard that at one point that that part of it was going to be about, you know, kind of the underwater. It's going to feature Gungans. I'm going to do <laughs> I'm yep. going to do an outtake with the uh, Super Mario underwater level. <laughs> yep. nice. There you go. I'm calling it right now. This movie kicked so much ass at the box office that three months later, Alice in Wonderland came out and got was a huge beneficiary of it. Yeah. Because it, I think they even converted that to 3D, and everybody was like, "Well, Avatar is good in 3D, so everything's good in 3D now." Avatar is is that the biggest hit for 3D ever? I mean, and I I know it is up to the point when it came out, but has anything come out since that was that was a hit because of its 3Dness? Only thing I can think of that I well, and I would only say that it's because I actually wanted to go see it because of the 3D was Gravity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'd say Doctor Strange is getting some of that love. Yeah. yeah, I've heard a lot about Strange's 3D. Did you see it in 3D? I did see it in 3D. Was it? Well, I saw it first in regular 2D, and then I saw it in IMAX Laser 3D. Oh wow! Which, if you've never seen a laser show, is mind blowing. I've like, seen a laser show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think there's only four IMAX Laser theaters in the country right oh, now, wow. and one of them happens to be about 45 minutes south of me. Oh wow! So, um, in Branson, Missouri, of all places. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, uh, so yeah, I went and saw it in Laser 3D, and it was spectacular now that may just be the laser talking because the dynamic contrast if you don't like look up how laser works because it's two projectors and it allows the blacks to be true black there's no light bleed on the screen at all Hmm. so because it's laser not actual lumens Mm -hmm. so to speak so all the colors are just crisp and the lines between black and light so you can have like a bright light next to a dark black and the contrast is still perfect so it's yeah, it's pretty pretty incredible. It also helps if you do a lot of drugs too, right? I've heard that. Okay. I've mm-hmm. heard that. Yeah. You can get the 3D laser effect uh, with just uh, shrooms. <laughs> the right combination. Yeah, I mean, you can probably watch it projected on a wall, and if you eat the right shrooms, you're going to have that experience. Do we need to talk more about Avatar? No, we can don't. We move no. on? Yep. I hate that piece of crap. No, because I'll just end up hurting my credibility. <laughs> no, no, no. I like that you disagree with us openly on well, like, the second movie we talk about. Right? No, no, no. Here's the other. Here's the other part of it, though. Too, I do think its success also uh, increases the amount of vitriol for it. When something is that successful and you don't like it, you're more apt to hate it than just to be, ah, I don't like that. So I do think, I think Titanic suffers from a lot of that too, because mm. it was so successful. People who don't like it are going to really, you know, it's the the you know. Yeah, if the English Patient had not been called the most romantic movie ever and gotten nominated for all these awards, I would not hate it so much. I I would just forgotten it. Yep. 
Um, all right, well, let's talk about a good movie then. Inglorious Bastards. Came oh out. my go. God! Mm-hmm. The first ten minutes of this movie—it's the best thing Tarantino has ever done. I yep. think so. The the scene where Hans Landa goes to this guy's house and just slowly goes from nice to menacing. Uh, one of the most tense scenes in film history, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be. It doesn't. It doesn't get there until you realize when they do that shot going down yeah. underneath the yeah. floor, where he's talking about you know rats and extermination things like that. Where you're like, holy shit! Yeah, yeah. this is crazy. And I think it's after he takes out that comically large pipe and starts and everything. <laughs> but Hans, Lund, the Christoph Waltz's performance is not only great just acting wise. But he speaks what four languages yeah. in this in this film? Yeah, all perfectly, mm-hmm. or I assume perfectly. I don't speak German and French <laughs> yeah. very fluently, but <laughs> sounded, oh, sounded, sounded fluent it's gorgeous. To me. It's gorgeous. Everything that he says in this movie has the hint of danger, and you don't know when it's coming. Yep. Yeah, and it's why it's so amazing to watch him during this entire thing, including the scene where he's like asking if you know she wants the cream in her coffee yeah. and everything which is a very jewish you know no-no yeah. and everything and all these type of things that he does you're just like man i, I don't know when the, the explosion's gonna happen but he you know yeah because he's, he's always staring at these people like he's peering into their soul yeah. i guess that's how his character works yeah it's amazing uh equally good scene later on in the bar with michael fassbender absolutely and, um he gives himself away in the most hilarious stupid trivial manner uh but leading up to that everything is so tense because we know what's going on and we know somebody's probably going to catch on to this at some point but when and how um i think this is one of my favorite tarantino movies because of those two scenes now it goes full tarantino at the end and way excessive with the shooting of hitler and the scalping and the whatnot i actually could take or leave a lot of that yep uh, but those two scenes are so fantastic that i keep going back to this movie over and over again yeah and it's revisionist history here i mean we're, sure. we're talking about like yes this did not happen this is a fantasy scenario back in world war ii uh do you think there are people who think that it happened that way do you yes. think there are people that watch this movie and are like oh Yes. I never realized that's what happened. Oh, oh my yeah. God, you think? I, I bet there are. <laughs> yes. There's got to be you some. you paid attention to the people who follow us? Uh, have yeah. you read the comments under one of our videos? <laughs> I'm no longer surprised by opinions people might have. Yeah. Um, I definitely think there are people who didn't pay attention in history class who watch Inglorious Bastards and just file it back away, and in their mind, that became oh, what happened. They're going to have such an embarrassing conversation someday. I would like to watch that conversation. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Tarantino was planning to be Aldo Rain in this movie. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. And in fact, if you look at, if you think of it as Tarantino all the way through it, and then at the very end when he's like, this is going to be my masterpiece, oh. yeah. and it says a film by Quentin Tarantino, <laughs> yeah. right? after that yeah, yeah. he was gonna do that oh, at one God, point yeah somebody finally talked him out of it hopefully what? yeah yeah i mean it's a great performance by brad pitt yeah it i is. mean he's his knoxville accent is not necessarily on point no. sound good yeah <laughs> but yeah. uh i mean he's he's terrific but he is such a tertiary character in this yeah he really is uh which is great that's that's where i like my brad pitt like that i want him kind of on the sidelines yeah. well <laughs> and what tarantino has always done well and continues to uh both with the theater owner and christoph waltz is show us amazing actors that american audiences have never seen mm-hmm. before or have forgotten about right like he brought back travolta from the dead he gave right. us robert forster and jackie brown 
around. So he's he's really good at that. And Christoph Waltz is now a huge star mm-hmm. in the U.S. because of this movie. But let me ask you, has he been as good since then? Like, has he done anything... I feel like he almost suffers because this movie is so good from like the Anthony Perkins syndrome and psycho where it's like he's so good in something that it's hard for him to be in anything else. Well, no surprise. He is just as good in Django Unchained. There but, you go. Yeah. But it's also another sort of Londa performance. Mm-hmm. Only he's a good guy. Yeah. In this one, it's very reminiscent of him. Only he's a good guy. Yeah, well, I mean, he has the same thing where he can read people and he knows how to like interact and get the upper hand and all that. Mm-hmm. Well, stuff. and even uh, the legend of Tarzan, which is not a movie worth discussing that came out this year. He's the villain in that. And he's a very Hans Landa kind of guy because yeah. he like has dinner with Jane and he's all like prim and proper and and so yeah i do think maybe he's been pigeonholed a little bit a little bit typecast yeah Yeah, and it's not his fault because there's clearly so much talent there uh but maybe they're just not offering him the right roles to continue stretching the first thing i saw him in after i had seen this was was there a movie called like water for elephants or something like that yeah it was was, uh reese witherspoon yeah it was like this um, i can't remember who the guy was and it was was robert pattinson yeah it was robert pattinson yeah yeah yeah, yeah, exactly yeah and uh well i also saw him in that green hornet that he was uh a bad guy in green hornet too i believe uh that was one of the (laughs) what a weird movie yeah i can't wait till we talk about it's michelle gondry right yeah yeah (laughs) it was um but um anyway uh great movie what else guys in 2009 up in the air yeah i was gonna say the exact same thing oh my god i love this movie um the writing in this movie yeah so good and this is not the first thing i want to talk about about this movie but it's gonna be um we we bitch a lot in our videos about how movies go about showing place names to us Mm -hmm. um excessive information like telling me it's paris france when you're showing me the eiffel tower this movie has one of my favorite methods of place names ever and it's these super high up aerial shots of cities and then white text that just says you know portland kansas city or what have Mm -hmm. you and it meshes with the story because this guy's doing all this flying around all these working class cities and firing people uh but i just i just love everything about this movie uh anna kendrick this is where, this is where she, we all fell in love with her, right? Yeah. yeah. This is what put her on the map. I'm pretty sure she was nominated for supporting she was. actress. Um, and Clooney, Clooney's so good here, mm-hmm. right? Because there's just an edge of that Clooney we know, the cool, you know, know-it-all guy, but it's wearing off. Yeah. And he gets punched in the gut in this movie. Yeah. yeah. And... Oh, well, I, yeah, I, I want to watch it right now. <laughs> yeah, Vera Farmiga is in this really good, uh, and they have this sort of you know thing going on, and and uh, Clooney's like actually at this point like maybe I can settle down with this woman or mm-hmm. whatever, and it's you know he's about to get you know a rude awakening in yeah. this thing. What's uh, in your backpack? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what a, this movie takes a weird story. The cities that we're stopping in are flyover cities. Yeah. Des Moines and Akron yeah. and stuff like that. Springfield, Oklahoma Missouri. City, Springfield, yeah. Missouri. All right, good. It, but like, it's it's a guy who goes around finding people, but it, it's like exploring convention culture and like, yeah. you know, things like that that are just like normal working class thing, but makes it super compelling drama. Yeah. And it sh- it's actually showing that his way of doing things or the way what he was hired for is going to become extinct mm-hmm. because Anna Kendrick is being hired to do this on a computer. Yeah. Which is 
even worse, but nobody realizes that, you know, they, they just like the, the idea that they don't have to sit there in the room with them and, and fire them and everything. But, you know, it, it makes it even, they don't, they're not there to sort of comfort them and give them the, the sort of the things that they need while they're there. And that's just a, it's just shockingly, there's like a little very dark undertone in this movie. There is, but I th- that, that scene with JK Simmons shows you why, Clooney's belief that they should do it in person is important, mm-hmm. right? Because he turns that guy around. Yeah. Within three minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much did they pay you to give up on your dreams? Um, yeah. <laughs> and he's like $23,000. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and so, you know, you, you side with him in that particular debate, technology versus doing it in person. But this is what would happen in this kind of a corporation. How can we shave costs? Well, stop sending people all over the country on planes and in hotels. Uh, do it long distance. And, um, supporting cast here is amazing jk simmons you got uh young mc jason bateman uh is the boss i love when he calls clooney at the end of the conversation he's like i just took a shit for the first time in two weeks (laughs) clooney goes and this is me hanging up yeah (laughs) and then there's like the the minor role with melanie linsky and danny mcbride he's going around you know with their little cardboard cutout and everything to make it look like they're at all these places (laughs) um but yeah, this is a fantastic movie. Jason Reitman, who who did Thank You for Smoking. We didn't talk about that movie when we did that year, but we, uh, he did Thank You for Smoking, which is a really good movie. And he did Juno, which we did talk about in length. And after this, he does Young Adult, which is a movie that nobody saw, but mm. I loved. Mm-hmm. I thought Young Adult was great. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and he had a really, has a good like four, first four movies. After that, he's done a couple I haven't even heard of. Hmm. Um, but. You know, hopefully he's coming, going to go back on track. He's got good family genes. Yes, he does. I haven't right. Yeah. Yeah. I just love the dialogue in this movie. I love the scene where they're talking about his airline miles. Yeah. And, you know <laughs> what they mean to him. And oh, it's just the number is the goal. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. He put, doesn't want he doesn't have any plan things. for them. You and men putting names on things, you know. And then once he gets it, I love. I mean, he really does have no plan for these miles. Yeah. And Anna Kendrick's like, if I had that many miles, I'd just go show up at the airport and see where where a plane is going and get mm-hmm. on. But at the end, he gives like two thirds of his miles to like his sister and her mm-hmm. new husband so they can circle the globe or whatever. Yeah. He doesn't need them. He just had this goal mm. and how lost he is after he reaches it. Well, again, it comes down to connection and meaning. Like that's the whole theme of the movie yeah. is about how we connect and what means something. And yeah. And if you haven't beautiful. seen it, a lot of the actors in the, in the opening and closing who are playing people getting fired are real people who were laid off. Mm. They're not actually actors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that adds to the film. It adds some emotional weight. Um, but I love it. This was this this is up there for my recommend Aha. of the week. Yeah, up there. Yeah, this is up in the air. There. <laughs> up there. Every every week we try and pick one or two that we're like, this is our recommend, and this would be up there if you haven't seen it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all here's, right. Here's one I want to throw out. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's in in my up yeah, there, so to speak, is Moon. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I cannot absolutely. wait to talk about Moon. Let's one. talk about Moon. Moon is fantastic. Love Moon. Um, I think I like Kevin Spacey in this movie more than uh sam rockwell uh he's so droll and part of that though is the sort of the very low rent animations of that computer that's following him around yeah because it's got all these like little block dot matrix type graphics and everything showing smiles and showing like sometimes you can even read into it that it's like oh is that happy or is that he's kind of concerned you know that type of thing but yeah, man, what a what an original, like, fun movie to watch. And it's got a little surprise in it. And you don't, you know, it's, you know, we don't want to go that t- too far into this. But. Yeah, it's Sam Rockwell 
all alone with a computer on the moon and he's mining what is he mining moon dust it's something it doesn't really matter yeah um and you know piece of equipment breaks down and uh from there i don't want to spoil any of it but this Mm -hmm. is duncan jones uh who just did warcraft this year Mm -hmm. uh which stark difference in (laughs) style i'm convinced against him for this movie i'm convinced duncan jones must have played world of warcraft as a video gamer and that's maybe so drew him to that story because this is nothing like moon uh, but yeah, Moon is fantastic. Highly recommend. Talk about good genes, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, David Bowie's kid, yeah, right? Bowie's kid. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, he would later go on and do Source Code as well. That was I liked oh, that movie. Yeah, yeah, another good movie. Um, okay, we have to talk about it. Watchmen. Oh, oh yes, we do. So this this year had Avatar and Watchmen. Mm-hmm. It's like the year of making Jeremy angry. It's it's <laughs> it's the bluest animation ever. Like you put them side by side, it's like 6 hours of blue animation. I Is there anything to like about Watchmen? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I th- I I like things about Watchmen. I do too. <laughs> when I don't I, like Watchmen, but I, I like a lot of things about it. My I name's Barrett and I like Watchmen. Watch this movie. I I I was just like, eh, I didn't hate it. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it. Uh, I've watched it a couple of times since, and I like it a lot more than I did. Oh yeah. Um, I think it's, I, and I've started reading the, uh, the actual graphic novel and everything. And there's so many things in that graphic novel that I was like, why couldn't you have just done that a mm. couple of times? Like, I know this is considered an unfilmable story right. and everything, but the, what you did with it. I'm like, there's a couple things here and there would have made this a lot better than it is in the movie. And maybe they had to cut something out. I don't know. You just mentioned Warcraft. And I had a very similar feeling watching Watchmen as I did with Warcraft, which is I don't I don't feel like I know enough about the source material that I'm catching half of what's going on. Yeah, here. when we did the like, sins of Warcraft, there were all kinds of angry people who were like, they, this was a fan service movie. They made this for people who love the game. And I'm like, why? Mm hmm. Why? Like, the, a movie has to be able to stand on its own. It does. And I'm not going to go play a goddamn video game for two years <laughs> just so I can understand a movie more. And right, as somebody right. who's never played it... Okay, we're ending up talking about Warcraft too much, but uh, let's go back to Watchmen. Um, but it was the same thing for me with Watchmen. It was yeah. like, I didn't know anything about I agree. The I think material. if you're a fan of that graphic novel, you like this movie more than the average person does. Yeah, maybe. I or maybe know. you hate it more. Either way, it's like... I didn't have the the context to come out of this movie going, oh, that was great, or, oh, man, that was yeah. awful. I just felt like, oh, that was a movie somebody made. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there were a lot of people that were fans of the graphic novel that did not like this yeah. for many reasons, but a lot of it had to do with the ending and the, 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 uh, the things that they chose to do with Dr. Manhattan versus mm-hmm. this crazy thing that happens in the actual uh, yeah. novel. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's the actors are really good. Jackie Earl Haley is great. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. That's true. So there's a lot to like there, but it just it doesn't connect, man. Billy Crock. Yeah, yeah. Um, and his penis. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's there's a lot of moments in this, but it's three fucking hours, mm, yeah. and that's the problem. Yeah. Like if you could just maybe just uh, cut out an hour or somehow, it would be you know better. I guess you know. I this don't know. Is, this is Zack Snyder starting to really get into self-masturbation which i guess is kind of a redundant it's a little bit repetitive yeah (laughs) uh... but i know what you mean you know what i mean like it's just it's the batman versus superman predicting that like it's gonna be over long and overwrought and too much stuff and Mm -hmm. yeah batman v superman just came on hbo last night for the first time still shitty 
Oh, well, that's good to know. I just had it on the background. Did you stick with it for a little bit? Don't those movies usually get better when they go to HBO? (laughs) No, but that Batman warehouse scene is still badass. Uh, And that's the only reason I had it on in the background. But yeah, it's still terrible. I don't know if there's any Zack Snyder movie. I'm just like, other than like maybe the Owls movie that I can like give you a thumbs up (laughs) for. But Watchmen's not it. Yeah. Dawn of the Dead is my go-to Zack Snyder. Yeah, I guess that one was pretty good. Uh, But uh, yeah, I I wish we could talk more about Watchmen, but Mm -hmm. I think we all just kind of like eh about it. So Um, District 9. Mm -hmm. What a good movie. Yeah. That this director has yet to follow up with uh, success. Um, Right. I love District 9. Now, there are moments that it's really hard to watch because there's just some gross stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'd never seen anything like this. Super low budget, um, literal aliens being kept in concentration camps uh, and a performance from the main character from beginning to end. That's just, oh, God, I love it. Charlton Mm -hmm. Copley. Is that how you say his name? Yeah, Charlton Copley or Charlton Copley. Mm -hmm. One of those is should be good enough. Yeah, (laughs) put him on the map for u.s audiences and uh yeah i really love it i I could watch it anytime famously one of the lowest sin counts ever on our youtube channel it would be a lot different today if we did it sure uh but yeah at the time it was very hard to whatever rule thing we were going with at the time was really hard to come up with good sins for that movie. yeah it was um but uh but yeah a really good one it came in the sl- it came in the middle of a slew of these alien invasion movies like uh what was the there were there were two horrible ones maybe oh, you can help me battle los angeles battle los angeles skyline's the other one oh, skyline yeah. came out the next year and uh but yeah those it was just in the middle of all that but this one actually has a uh, real good subtext to it because it's uh it's about the south african apartheid and all that yeah uh, that's i think a great that's what, setting yeah that's yeah. what makes the movie work in my opinion mm-hmm. is the subtext is mm-hmm. is what it's about you know there's a real foundation here mm-hmm. when you've got that foundation of of story to base it on or metaphor or whatever it makes a lot of your decisions a lot easier on how you go about it yeah so i think that's what makes Fucking the movie. <laughs> yeah we we were we were uh introduced to the uh, the idea that South Africans swear more than New York City yeah. people do, <laughs> like it's ev- it's pervasive. It's like one of the most pervasive swearing movies I've ever well, watched. And that carries on into Chappie and all yeah. this guys. Oh my film. goodness, Chappie! Yeah, D. Anford. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That too. <laughs> yeah, Elysium. Yeah, no. Um, but uh, yeah, good movie. What else, guys? Aaron, throw one out. Uh, I'll throw out Gran Torino. Yeah. Oh, we Gran Torino. About we did talk week. about Gran Torino um, last week. Yeah. And okay. So 2008. You uh, put yeah, it in 2008. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was showing we, up as 2009. It reminds me of Bad Santa. Yeah. <laughs> here's the deal with Gran Torino. It did come out in 2008. It does have its wide release January of 2009. Ah. So that's why it shows up. No, as I totally get it, and it's also quite possible. I was looking at because I I do keep a best of list every year I have for the last 15 years. So I was looking back at my best of 2009 list. And what's interesting is back then I didn't watch everything when it came out. Now I do because I'm, you know, official movie critic, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I would base my best of year on the year I saw it. So a lot of times I would see a movie you know, like you said, it comes yeah. out early 2009 you know, in a wide release, even even though it's technically a 2008. So it could have been that, too. I yeah. Just, I mean, the thing like, is with the IMDb is I wish they would just give you that general 
like when was it eligible for academy award consideration year boom and yeah, then, yeah that's what it should be and then yeah, and then it, yeah and and google does an even worse thing where you're like what won the best picture in 2009 and they'll show you the previous year because the actual movie won it in 2009 and i hate that yeah and i was <laughs> brought this up in one of the other podcasts how many how many bets have been won based on Google's bullshit? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to go through a lot of uh, uncreativity here that was in the top 10. Uh, we don't have to talk about the movies. Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen, horrible. Uh, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, very good. Yeah, oh, yeah. I enjoyed it. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, we don't need to talk about it very much. Twilight Saga New Moon, also terrible. Yeah. Um, the, in fact, Twilight movies, as they as each sequel comes along, get worse and worse and worse. Somehow worse yeah. every time. It's like they started at the bottom and then just kept digging. I, yeah. I'm I'm going to to contradict that just a little Go bit. Go for I it. I actually think the final movie has some has some goodness in it. okay i can i know what you're going for the part, there the final part two actually except has some that pretty it's all bullshit yeah. exactly no totally totally yeah. it's an just, entire movie of that didn't happen but it is the one twilight movie where i didn't necessarily want to slip my wrist the entire way through it you i know, get like you. there's some there's some stuff you i get know. you i get you and even I, though characters in the movie are i didn't necessarily but want of to course uh, that movie also illustrates why you should never b- break these things into part you know part oh, two parts because part that one, is my rant, man. Part I one's cannot awful. Stand that. Um, uh, also, Alvin the Chipmunks, the Squeakwool, somehow <laughs> made the top ten that year. Wow. Jeez. Um, Ice Age, Dawn of the Dinosaurs, X Men Origins, Wolverine, terrible. Night at the Museum, Battle of the Smithsonian, terrible. Um, I'm glad you think Wolverine is terrible. I get a lot of uh, kickback on that one. I, oh, yeah. I don't know why. It's not a good movie. No, yeah. it's actually actively bad. Yeah, yeah. So bad well, that Ryan think- Reynolds quit. I just felt like, you know, it just didn't feel like there was enough X-Men to it. You know, it just felt anyways. Yeah. Fast and Furious, the reboot of the Fast and the Furious, so the basically. the third one? It's the fourth. Um, it's the first one where I was like, oh, I see what you're doing here. Like, yeah. it was the first one where they started understanding what kind of movie they were. Yeah. yeah. And I think, so, I think that's why they get better from there, because they start to get what they're doing. It mm. gets to the point of unwatchability for me, though, because yeah. it's so... They, they've basically made these guys superheroes. Exactly. Go ahead and make them superheroes. That's exactly, yeah. Um, But... Yeah, this was the fourth one, and I guess technically it was the true sequel to The Fast and the Furious, because two and three were like in between like prequel type of things or whatever. It wasn't really, yeah, it was mm. all yeah, those- it was the first one to bring the whole gang back together and yeah. everything. So, yeah. uh, G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra. Ugh, um, Poor Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What Poor in bastard. the world? Yeah, I, know. I feel the same about this movie that you feel about the original Transformers, because you know it's bad. Mm-hmm. But you were saying like you enjoyed it. Yeah, I know this is bad, but I enjoyed it. Well, and let me guess. Let me ask you this: Did you watch GI Joe cartoons I when did. you were a kid? Yeah, I never did, but yeah. I watched the Transformers mm-hmm. cartoons. So I think we have an understanding now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't hate each other anymore. Yeah, Terminator Salvation. Oh Came my out. God! I mean, it 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 was just 2009 is very close to 2005 as far as like horrible remakes and sequels. How did Christian Bale not quit? when they gave the directing gig to what Mick don't G. you fucking understand <laughs> <laughs> but i mean Mick G, come on i know you give Mick G a terminator movie and you expect it to turn out good i know did you see the charlie's angels films i know i know man <laughs> jesus oh my god okay so that's the role of like horribleness is there anything good that you guys want to bring up yeah 
The Hangover. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. The Hangover is, it's interesting because this was so universally praised when Mm -hmm. it came out. And I was the weird one. I think I waited until it came out on on DVD. I watched it, and I was totally underwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And now it's been- Oh, you too? I'm there with you, yeah. Mm -hmm. And now it's around like 78, 79 on Rotten Tomatoes, Mm -hmm. and I think that's probably right. Like, Mm -hmm. I probably enjoy- I know it's not- how that works, but I enjoyed this about 79%. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, there's some great stuff in it, but it it just, I I guess it was built up. Classic example of running something into the ground with those sequels. Oh yeah. um, That I think ultimately detract from the original. Mm -hmm. Um, I really liked this when I saw it. Mm -hmm. Um, I laughed a lot, not quite as much as Tropic Thunder, but I was laughing a lot. And that's, when I go see a comedy, that's what I want. I want to laugh out loud. I don't want to chuckle. I don't want to wry smile. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the, I'm going to fuck this tiger part. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I was I was doubled over during I, that that part. It's a great concept in the sense, you know, that, that the characters don't know what they did any more than we do. And the movie is them discovering what they did slowly over time it's a ridiculous premise to get there yeah but which basically wasn't it just that zach galifianakis like roofied them all yeah 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 Yeah, what a bastard yeah Um, and and it's got i mean it's technically a a bigger version of dude where's my car yeah oh yeah um it's i mean dude where's my car might actually technically be funnier than this movie because Uh, i'm i'm with that opinion so goofy oh my goodness but uh but the Hangover is, you know, obviously a, a more a more polished comedy and everything. And I love the whole little montage where Zach Galifianakis is basically Rain Man, yeah. And they've got the Wolf Mother song playing during <laughs> it and everything. Bradley Cooper flipping off the security cameras. That that's the type of stuff I love when they go that far. And, and yet, yeah, it's, it's a it's a crazy, insane movie. It's not as funny as you are led to believe. Yeah, but, but the- it's still got good stuff. I I think the three leads being so linked, like they work really well together with yep. Ed Helms, Bradley Cooper, and Zach Galifianakis being, and Justin Bartha, who is Poor barely bastard. in the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like even the, like Rob Riggle and like the, the uh, secondary characters and Ken Jeong. Heather um, Graham. Heather Graham. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's, there's a real good cohesiveness. You can tell everybody's having fun. It's a Todd Phillips movie, yeah. right? Uh, which he he kind of got tapped into that yeah. thing with old school, too. right? He built he built up sort of his brand, use you know with old school and road trip and mm-hmm. Starsky and Hutch and all that, and he finally made this one that was like the big yeah, it was huge. breakout. Um, yeah, huge movie. It was sixth domestically that year. Oh, really? Yeah, Damn. it was one of the one of the highest grossing R rated. Did movies. the Squeakwell make more money? <laughs> no, Squeakwell actually made about sixty million dollars less. Awesome. Take That's, that, David Cross. Um, yeah, take that, Jason Lee. <laughs> now, uh, not not wholly original in any in any sense, but uh, the reboot of Star Trek came out in two thousand nine. Uh-huh. I love it. Yes, yeah, great. Yeah, I I I'm a I am a Trekkie. I watched the original show because my mom showed it to me. We watched all the old old cast movies. I watched Next Generation like it was crack. Mm-hmm. Um, and I watched a lot of Deep Space Nine. I don't care that it doesn't feel like classic Trek mm-hmm. and it's more action-y. Mm-hmm. This is a solid action film. Yeah. Um, and it, again, another movie in this year that has a solid 10-minute opening mm-hmm. that really makes you feel something. Chris Hemsworth just nails this performance. Yeah. Um, and then again, Michael Giacchino's score uh-huh. for this movie is one of my favorite pieces of score ever mm-hmm. ever um you can't you 
you you deny me that and I will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. I, I, I really enjoyed this this one. And the only my only gripe about it was that Eric Bana's uh, villain turn wasn't given enough. I thought he's it. good, though, man. He like, is good. When they first meet him. And uh, because this is Christopher Pike, captain of the USS Enterprise, and Eric Bana's is like, "Hi, Christopher." <laughs> <laughs> um, what a winning cast, right? That's what makes this or any of these movies work, in my opinion, is the chemistry between them. That's what I was going to talk about. Is when Abram started revealing who was going to play these roles that we'd seen on TV forever. It was just like perfect casting cho- choice. I mean. Uh, to put uh, Simon Pegg in there yeah. is yeah. just genius. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just down the line, I'm like, that's perfect. That's perfect. And yep. I was like, this is going to be good. Did anybody expect Chris Pine to be as good as he was, though? No. no, no. no. He's where, terrific. Yeah, he and and that's terrific hard in, shoes to fill. Yeah, no, and he's been terrific in a lot of stuff since. I've yeah. really been impressed with Pine's career, kind of yeah. where, it's, where it's headed. So. Uh, uh, what else on uh, this list, guys? Uh, have we talked about where the wild things are? Was that a we 2009? Haven't. No, we haven't. Uh, man, I love that movie. Oh, yeah? it, it just it hits me in some sort of combination of nostalgia and like emotional resonance about what it means to be a child and uh this I, was divisive I, though you know it was very divisive but i was on the the loved end of yeah i'm are. i'm on that side of didn't like it man i i and i love spike jones man and he took forever to make this movie he sure yeah. did he took about i think 10 years something like that time. like he wanted to adapt this for a really long time and uh and I love it visually and everything that you say about this that is good yeah. is good about yeah. this movie. But I just get tired of it. It's repetitive to me. Like it, like all the monsters like whining and stuff. You hear when you hear James Gandolfini is like, yeah, it's not fair. It's yeah. not fair. And all that. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of I just I started getting really exhausted of it. I can but, see that. but very just visually striking. And it, like you said, everything that you said about it is right. It's it's good that way. I just couldn't I didn't hit me. Yeah, I didn't get into it either. I I do think it's stunning to look at, but I was that's one of the few books that I read a lot when yeah. I was a kid. And I just, I think I had a different vision than Spike Jones did. And it never really settled for me uh, and lined up with what I was sort of hoping for or expecting. But again, I, I can't say too many bad things about it. I put it in the same category as, did you ever read and watch like Tuck Everlasting or, uh, let's see, what was another one of the kid ones? Uh, Bridge to Terabithia. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Bridge to I Terabithia. I saw the yeah, movie yeah. Bridge to so Terabithia. So it's kind of that same kind of thing where it's like, oh, there's just something about how you see the world as a child that some movies get. Yeah. And I, f- I felt like Where the Wild Things Are got that enough that I was just like, in it you know and i and i think most of the serious critics that i've run into have really liked this movie and i may need to give it another chance at some point i have only seen it the one time yeah so maybe one you know maybe i'll come back and at it and i'll be like oh you know what i was kind of being hard on that movie you know but for now i'm just yeah i don't i don't like it no no no. sometimes you have something like you know you pick up on that is a, a valid you know, complaint or distraction Mm -hmm. and it just builds, it snowballs in your brain. I have that happen too when I see a movie, especially if it's toward the beginning Mm -hmm. and then you just keep seeing it through the entire thing and you're just like, you can't That happened to me on Finding Dory. Oh yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Because within the first five minutes, I saw so many parallels to Finding Nemo. Yeah. That's all I could see. Yeah. That's from the, and the the movie pissed me off. That's Mm -hmm. how much like it got in my head early on. 
So yeah, it'll happen. I will say that the trailer to this movie, to Where the Wild Things Are, is great because it's got yep. that Arcade Fire wake up song yep. during the, during yeah. it and everything. And I I was really excited about it because I I had never heard that song b- before gorgeous. the trailer. Yeah. And uh, and I was like, man, what is this? I'm like, I, I'm I'm really excited about this movie. It was it was perfectly used, and this movie has a great soundtrack. It was done by Carter Burwell and Karen O from mm-hmm. the AAS. Yeah, and it's it's a beautiful soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else, guys? Well, 2009, when I was prepping for this show, I realized has a high concentration of. Movies Chris begged me to watch that I refused to watch, but then when I watched them, I realized how right he was. <laughs> and I'm going to go with my most recommended movie of the year. Watch it be from 2010, uh, The Informant. No, that's 09. No, 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 that's 09. Yeah. I have it on my list, too. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> mm-hmm. It just sounded so boring. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, and- that's a something that the trailer uh, addressed, in fact. They tried very hard you know to say hey this is a movie about corn yeah yeah get kids corn yeah Yeah. (laughs) this is uh like we've never seen matt damon before Mm -hmm. to this point um and uh it's steven soderbergh doesn't Mm -hmm. feel like a soderbergh movie at all to me um but god is this movie funny um scott bakula joel McHale, great supporting cast basically you've got a guy who works at this big corn company who decides to turn them in for illegal doings and you know fbi agents God, i love how frustrated they get with him throughout this whole movie one of the few movies where internal narration is perfect. is absolutely needed and welcome and beautiful is how you do it you know well, because he's so he's having so much fun being a spy and doing yeah. spy things and <laughs> yeah. uh geez i could watch this movie all day every day yeah, yeah it's, it's got great. so many like little i mean when he goes off on his little you know narration rants they're all about like things that have nothing to do with the movie yeah. and they're just hilarious Fact every words. single one yeah exactly <laughs> you know um I would. That's a big recommend out of this podcast. Uh, this yeah. one, because very few people have seen that movie, yeah. and it's fantastic. I don't know how you could have thought it was boring. There's an exclamation point right in the title. Oh, yeah, right. right? <laughs> it exactly. does have a great poster. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's Matt Damon just looking up. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, yeah. uh, the other one I wanted to mention that that took me too long to take Chris's advice to watch was Fantastic Mr. Fox. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. I only just watched for the first time like a year and a half ago. It Hell. took me that long because I was so burned out on Wes Anderson's visual style trumping character for me. Because after Rushmore, I feel like the characters start to go by the wayside, except for, I don't know when the one with Ed Norton came out about the camping. Uh, I really like that. The Moonrise Kingdom. I think yeah. it was that's my well. favorite. That's my favorite. Of I really like Moonrise that Kingdom. one. But uh, I stayed away from this for the longest time. But this movie is magic. Yes, it this is. This movie is charm uh, come to life. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's a crazy great voice cast with George Clooney again. Meryl Streep as his wife. Jason Schwartzman as the kid. And then you have Bill Murray. You have Michael Gambon. I mean, it just, and everything is so, it's very short and sweet. Yep. Uh, really, all it is is, you know, he, he, he's been told by his wife not to go over to these, like, three rich farmers' place and steal anything anymore, but he can't help he himself. Can't help and uh, and uh, when, when the farmers decide they're going to turn the tide and everything, he's like, I'm going to knock off all three of them in <laughs> one night, basically, Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, a, 
and it's just it's whimsical and hilarious all the way through. Yeah, I'm pumped that he's he's now working on another stop motion film. His yeah. next film will be about dogs. Yeah, um, and this is so good. I'm already in the pocket for this. Next he one. needed to shake himself loose, and it took this to really find like his get back on track. And then he would go on to do Moonrise Kingdom and things yeah. like that. But after he got to the Darjeeling Limited. You could tell like he was just kind of stuck in that rut, even yeah. if he was in a different continent. And changing this medium really refocused him. Yeah. Also, uh, some of the best cursing in a kid's movie. Yeah. They just say cuss. Yeah. They just say and cuss. you can you even see the graffiti in the background where right, they've written right. cuss <laughs> and everything. Uh yeah, this is so, so good. And uh man, yeah, I, I can't recommend that one enough. Another like beloved, you know, Roald Dahl's another beloved child children's writer. Yeah. They did. Where the Wild Things Are was another one. Marty yeah. Sandak. All right. Uh, what else, Gus? Well, if we want to go on a kid's movie, I had a couple I wanted to mention because I thought there were some good ones that came out this year. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Oh, yeah. There's I never lot, saw that. There's a lot of magic in that movie. It's kind of one of those wish fulfillment mm-hmm. movies. Uh, I felt the same way about How to Train Your Dragon, which I think comes next year. But mm-hmm. where you just like you watch it and you go, oh, that's fun. And it's got that manic sense of humor to it yeah. that I think some of the best kids movies do. Uh, Disney went back hand-drawn animation with the Princess and the Frog. I thought that was worth mentioning. I loved it. And I don't know if it did enough business for them to continue doing it, though. Even though it made made $100 domestic, but they never really did it again. They they basically said, you know what? We're going to do this computer animation thing, and it's going to be... You know, it's going to be Big Hero Six and all these. Yeah, there's a place for that. I mean, there, there's gonna, there's always going to be a it'll place for back. traditional 2D animation. Yeah, it'll come back. Yeah, yeah. I uh, think they've just got all the mechanics in place for the the computer generated stuff, mm-hmm. so it's easier, you know, and and more efficient to do it that way with a lot of stuff. Uh, and the other one was Coraline. Speaking. Oh, of Coraline is fantastic. Uh, that came out uh, one of the few well. movies I saw in 3D. Actually, I, I hate 3D, but we had no other choice. We really wanted to see it. <laughs> and this was the only showtime that we could see it. Uh, and super gimmicky 3D in that movie. Yeah, that's one of those. They must have come along behind after the movie was done and made the hammer come out toward the screen <laughs> yeah, or what have yeah. you. But I loved the movie. Yeah, I, I watched it in 2D and I was not distracted by all that you know nonsense that they put in there. Great movie. Great creepy, choice. creepy movie. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you have another. Few. No, that was kind of the list of the the kids movies that came out that year that I thought were worth mentioning. Yeah, least. speaking of kids movies, Zombieland came out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> and speaking of Bill Murray too. Yes, this was a really really fun movie. Yes, it was. I had a lot more fun with Zombieland that I did with The Hangover. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just I agree. just from the very beginning, Jesse Eisenberg is just he, it takes all of his like kind of social awkwardness tendencies and really makes him sing. Yeah. Know? And playing him across from Woody Allen and then eventually Emma Stone, man, I, I, it's a great action comedy. It's a great You said zombie. Woody Allen. <laughs> did I say Woody Allen? You did. I just realized that. Wow. <laughs> well, he's in. He's just in a Woody Allen movie, or at least was just shooting one. Yes, he was. And you love Woody Allen, so yeah, but you wow. mean Harrelson. Woody Harrelson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving that shit in there. I don't fucking give a shit. Yeah. I know. I think it's funny. <laughs> anyway, Zombieland is good. Uh, it was the year of Jesse Eisenberg being in land movies. Yes. Because Adventureland came mm-hmm. out. Yeah. yeah. And Kristen Stewart's in Love that. Love Adventureland. I do too. And I think that's one of my favorite Jesse Eisenberg performances because you really kind of feel that awkwardness. Uh, it's just the perfect setting. It's set kind of, I think it's set in the 80s, isn't it? 
Um, yeah, I think workers so. at this you know discount Disneyland basically. Um, that's worth a, that's worth a look if you haven't seen it. Yeah, I mean you can see him just prepping his character for the Social Network. <laughs> yeah, coming yeah. Up, you know? yeah. Uh, anyway, it's it's great, uh, especially Woody Allen's part. He was my favorite. <laughs> yes. he was that's great in Adventureland. Yeah, they, you know, a lot of makeup on that guy. And that. <laughs> he was very unrecognizable. Adventureland has one of my favorite lines ever uh, when he the guy's like, you better not you better not go to sleep. And he's like, why not? And he's like, because I'm going to jerk off all over your face. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't Ryan Reynolds in Adventureland, too? Yeah, yeah. he's like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so what else, guys? Have we talked about 500 Days of Summer? Is that a 2009? Yeah, I got it on my list. Uh, Boy, did I like this movie. Yeah. Uh, If only for that split screen section. I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt is great throughout, but I love when there's a moment here where the screen splits and it shows you alternate versions of how the evening could have gone mm-hmm. uh and i love that uh and i also love that it's it's not your typical romantic comedy and that they don't end up together mm-hmm. yeah um and it's zoe deschanel right yep. yeah it is yeah really winning cast really charming um who made that movie uh, I don't oh remember. it was um it was mark, mark webb. webb mark webb yeah. yeah um who would later do the amazing spider-man and the amazing spider-man too indeed poor bastard i know his name's Webb, so we got to make him the director of Spider-Man. Oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. nice. yep. mm-hmm. But have we learned our lesson? No. No. We're still giving indie directors big, huge tentpole summer films. Uh, whatever. But yeah. I love 500 Days pretty, of Summer. Pretty delightful movie yeah. overall. Yeah. I, so. I mean, uh, and uh, yeah, like you said, I like it because of the, you know, the relationship is, it's going the, going the way you feel like normal romantic comedies do, only... You know, in typical romantic comedies, it's like, well, where's going to be the breakup? Where's going to be the stupid thing that breaks these people up so that he can go and like, you know, say I fucked up, you know, we should be together. And that's how they move in the movie in this time. He doesn't really know. And she doesn't really know. It's very adult that way uh, that it she doesn't know. Really, she just knows that she's not in love with him. And uh, I really love that about mm-hmm. this movie. Yeah. And if you're unless you're Aaron and you married your high school sweetheart. <laughs> Um, everybody has relationships before the relationship, mm-hmm. right? And I think those have value. I I make a lot of cracks in our videos about my college ex-girlfriend who's just this amalgamation of all the girls mm-hmm. I dated in college. But I look back at most of those relationships fondly. They all changed me as an individual and helped shape me into the person who could love my wife today. Uh, and, and very few movies celebrate those relationships. It's yeah. always got to be the happily ever after at the end because uh, Hollywood is well, either Hollywood is dumb or the movie going public is dumb or both. But yeah. anyway, check it out if you haven't seen it. Um, another good comedy is I Love You, Man. Yeah. Uh, Paul Rudd and Jason Segel. Uh-huh. Um, Paul Rudd is dating uh, Rashida Jones and he's about to marry her and they find out he doesn't have a true male friend. So it goes along the lines of like a romantic comedy, yeah. only looking for a friend. <laughs> and Paul Rudd does everything like your typical female character would do in this movie. It's fun to watch him because yeah. like all of his all the little things that he does in this is just like, oh, OK, I, I see what we're going for here. But I Love You, Man is a funny, funny movie. I love the the trail of kind of missed romances bromances like thomas lennon yeah and john favreau and his buddies and all that stuff <laughs> yeah and uh andy sandberg plays his uh brother-in-law yeah 
Uh, J.K. Simmons is in this too. J.K. Simmons. Uh, this has got a really good cast overall, and it's Jason Segel in kind of chill, way chill out bro mode. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think Jeremy said recently, like he, he may not like this as much as we do because he doesn't like Rush. I don't like Rush. Rush is prominently featured in this movie. Oh, yeah, it's but a it's character. not nearly as much as you guys say it is. <laughs> no, it's not. Like that's bullshit They're to say you don't like the movie because of Rush. Rush. I didn't yeah, say yeah. that. <laughs> I said maybe because I don't care about Rush. That's part of why I didn't it's get like because they talk about Rush like minutes, every other scene. Five minutes of the movie. Get no, 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 practicing. I will count for you. It's five right. minutes. Well, we're there's gonna a, have to. There's count a concert. Later. There's a practice, and then they talk about it on the phone. That's it. And then the Rush shows up at the end. I showed you. They told you it was a concert. There was a. <laughs> I specifically mentioned a concert. Mentioned the goddamn concert. The wedding band is playing Rush music at the end. Okay, fine. Six minutes. Okay, all right. Well, we can agree on six minutes. I don't think the movie's bad. I think it's funny. I just don't like it as much as you guys do. Yeah. Um, also coming out, uh, Funny People, which uh, I remember someone saying, Funny People, not so funny and not any people. <laughs> Discuss. <laughs> Judd Apatow is making a movie here that's half drama yeah half his apatow stuff and and it's got adam sandler in it and it's just not good it misses the mark it's for me. super long eric banna's in this too mm-hmm. and he's probably the best part of this movie yeah yeah um but I mean, seth rogan is good you know he's he's, yeah, the, he's, he's trying good. to learn the ropes adam sandler I guess is trying to get back into his punch trunk love dramedy type of yeah, thing. Yeah, it's one but, of those weird movies where like they in the trailer they made a big deal about him having cancer and yeah. then like halfway through it he doesn't have cancer anymore. <laughs> and uh and it it kind of runs along the lines of what Punchline did where mm-hmm. it's just going through a lot of the stand up, you know, careers and everything like that and then and you and uh, we we get to see some funny like you know Seth Rogen doing stand up and yeah. Aubrey Plaza doing uh, doing stand up and everything, uh, and and also I believe this is sort of loosely based on Apatow and Sandler when they were friends like when they were younger and everything too. Don't you think I love Punchline? Don't mm-hmm. you think there should be more movies, good movies made about stand up comedy? But there's there's not. I mean, you had Lenny back in the day, but like, but considering that Punchline and this movie didn't really do anything, yeah. that's probably why we will never see yeah, them. I guess so. Yeah, it's hard to make those movies. Anything else, guys? Um, I'm sure I've got the wrong year, but uh, when my research showed uh, In the Loop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. love in the loop. Yet another movie I watched because Chris told me I really <laughs> needed to see it. And this is from the people who would go on to make Veep. Yes. And so if you like Veep and that style of comedy, um, in the loop is that, uh, and it's fantastic. An incredible turn from Peter Capaldi, who would later become the new Doctor Who and everything. That's what people know him for mm. most now. But this is such a profane. But perfectly, all everything that they say, the turns of phrase in this movie are so perfectly hit. Yeah. You know, they really took some thought into these type of things. And that's what they do in Veep, too. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's just one of those things. But, man, this movie's got so much, like, dialogue and chew on for days mm. in this and everything. Love it. It's yeah, great. Yeah, me too. Aaron, you got any others? Was a serious man 
2000. Yes, it was. Uh, it yep. got uh, best picture nomination. I I really enjoyed Serious Man. I do too. We okay, might be good. the only ones in this room, I know, right? <laughs> um, or possibly in the universe. I don't know. But <laughs> I I really think who, what's the name of the guy that stars in it? Because Michael Stuhlbarg. Yeah, he's one of those that guys that you see in movies all the time. But it's kind of the only movie I've seen him star in. And I thought he was. Really oh, he's fantastic. This. this is the Coen Brothers again, and uh, and and I think a lot of people sort of recognize this as the story of Job. Yeah. Uh, exactly yeah and and uh i love it it is so delightfully weird and but it's got it's just got those just moments like if you can get along with the weirdness that's in this movie you can really enjoy it you know like if but if you're you know i don't know what the the key is for people to really enjoy this movie i know i've watched it like five or six times i saw it once and wasn't super moved by it Mm. i think i think for a lot of people coming off no country for old men they didn't expect this from the cohen brothers because it is not anything like that at all mm-hmm. um but so yeah I, I can't i don't really recall very well enough to speak to it but i remember not liking it that much yeah. is it is it one of the charms of the cohen brothers that they can make such different movies but they all still feel like cohen brothers yeah. movies like yeah. it's a really interesting thing you think of like hud sucker or yeah. serious man or no country and you're like those are three very different movies but oh, yeah. they all feel like you know cohen brothers yeah. movies for yeah sure. And this one has the scene, the guy, he, he, he's looking for answers and he goes to his like dent, no, he's not a dentist. He goes to a, a, some sort of religious man. I don't think it's a rabbi, but the guy tells him the story about like how this dentist saw these symbols on the back of this right, guy's yeah, yeah, teeth. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, what does it mean? Why does he have these symbols on the back of his teeth? And ultimately the whole point of that story is that it is pointless mm-hmm. and that you can't know anything yeah. and everything. And he's like, why? And Michael Stuhlbarg is like, okay, so what were the symbols? And he's like, who cares? He's like, who cares? <laughs> it's like, well, isn't that the point of the story? Isn't that why you were telling me the story? And he's like, he's like, ah, it just, you know, and the story still doesn't have any real, like, you know, put payoff in the end and everything. Um, I love it though. It's just one of those movies you have to be in the mood for. Well, good. I'm glad somebody else does. Yeah. Uh, okay. Here's one that you probably don't want to talk about, but I do. Okay. Michael Jackson's This Is It. Oh did yeah. Any of you see it? Oh yeah. I did. Oh yeah. No. I did I, see it. I loved it just for the simple fact of just thinking what that tour would have been like. like oh yeah. Just to you know to see all the practice footage and the thought he was putting into it. It was a different side of seeing Michael Jackson. You know, in a in a time when you know he was kind of cast aside just as you know being crazy in his later life and but to but to see this and to see, and to go okay you know what could have happened could there have been a resurgence could he have found his way back to make incredible music and yeah. i don't know i found it very fascinating i was surprised how much i liked that movie yeah why would you watch a bunch of practice concert right. footage <laughs> and yeah. make it compelling with an aging pop icon that can barely get out of bed, mm-hmm. reportedly. Yeah, and then you see him on stage, and he comes alive. Yeah, and it's it's fascinating how he runs his backup dancers. How like he he knows he just knows what to do. Yeah, and he's trying to communicate that, and it doesn't always get across because not everybody can do what he can do. Mm-hmm. Oh man, it's it's really good. And I've heard stories about how he creates music and how how he'll sing every part of his songs before he actually produces them. Hmm. So he you know he'll well I guess a lot of people do that on YouTube now with kind of you know, like acapella loops and that kind of mm. stuff you know he was doing that for you know the thriller album and, and all that stuff back in the day so mm-hmm. it's just interesting to see that brain at work so yeah thought that was good any other major ones you want to bring up i'll start a rundown uh what do you guys think about sherlock holmes that yeah yeah man uh, yeah, i'm kind of like halfway on that one yeah 
I can I, I like Robert Downey Jr. as Sherlock. Um and I think some of the like little, you know, interesting little, you know, future predicting type of things are kind of cool, but overall, yeah. But it gets but it gets home so wrong. Yeah. Like it gets the character of Sherlock Holmes so wrong. Like even the future predicting stuff. Mm-hmm. That's not what Holmes was about. He was about past predicting. He was about yeah. deduction, you know. So I don't know. It's Yeah, no. I mean on paper, it's just like just like with Public Enemies, on paper this looked like it was going to be good. You yeah. Know, Jude Law. Sure. Guy Ritchie, uh, Rachel McAdams, mm-hmm. and Robert Downey Jr. How can he not hit with that? How yeah. can he not hit with Johnny Depp playing John fucking right. Dillinger too? But, yeah. You know, uh, anyway, yeah, it, it's it, just wasted opportunities there, I think. Okay, I'm going to do a little rundown here. Um, the Taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3, I only mentioned this, the remake of it, because the original is so good. Mm-hmm. You need to watch the original Taking Pelham 1, 2, 3. That's classic. Like, I'm a huge Denzel fan, but watch the original. <laughs> yeah, original is fantastic. Walter Matthau, one of his best performances. Uh, Friday the 13th remake came out. That was terrible uh bruno uh which was the you know i guess spiritual sequel to borat uh, bruno yeah exactly it's the same movie it's basically the, same, the movie. same movie and uh and and everybody at this point has seen borat yeah. so it's kind of hard for the for him to keep doing this thing and obviously i mean he hasn't tried to do anything since well you know? i believe this was the year that sasha baron cohen dressed as bruno came into the vmas and famously landed on eminem with his ass facing yeah, up yeah yeah he had that whole what may have been a staged reaction to it Ooh. yeah uh precious which was you know a, well, a little indie that could and uh, gabarese db i think is her name mm-hmm. uh got a nomination for it and she's good in it i hated this movie though yeah i didn't like the movie either also has the most ridiculous movie title in the history of mankind, like, like how based on the novel yeah, Push by Sapphire. based on the <laughs> yeah. novel Push by Sapphire. Yeah, that's the actual title of the movie. Yeah, really? Yes. Uh, well, yeah, and at the Oscar nominations where they're they're announcing them, they had to go through the whole yeah. thing. that whole thing. The same thing happened with Borat. They would have to read out the Borat cultural learnings yeah. make great <laughs> yeah. nation of Kazakhstan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I know it. You know, was a, a big hit for a lot of people. I just I didn't like it um the lovely bones we've talked about that before how terrible that movie is that's one i read the book of and i'm like how do you make a movie out of this well yeah, you don't you shouldn't yeah um <laughs> drag me to hell great I love this movie. sam raimi is off of his spider-man and he's like i'm gonna just make a movie i love yeah he's just stretching he's oh, like oh my god evil dead territory it's awesome oh it's such a good horror movie um crazy heart which got jeff bridges an oscar yeah um, great performance yeah very good performance yeah. in that um uh then there's invictus which is the nelson mandela movie clint eastwood directed matt damon um it's like it, matt damon had both ends of the spectrum this year yeah, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> his accent was amazing in that though well yeah i just the movie's boring yeah it is i do want to throw one more out just because i Go wonder for if i'm the only one that kind of likes it but did anybody else dig uh ryan reynolds and sandra bullock in the proposal i didn't um, i didn't see it i thought they worked together like yeah, i was no, charming yeah yeah so i mean you know it's one of those simple rom-coms that you know you can actually walk away from thinking yeah, i'm not worse off for seeing my movie, <laughs> i remember so. almost yeah. nothing about that movie i do remember watching it though it was on repeat for a while for my wife. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, I've seen it a few times. Uh, a sort of kind of a big cult hit gamer. Uh, Mark Neveldine, Brian Tyler, who did the Crank movies, uh, did this. And uh, it's uh, Jared Butler and um, uh, the Michael C. Hall from Dexter. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a... Uh, 
I don't know is you have to really be in the mood for a Neville Dean Taylor movie to really like, because they're very hyperkinetic type mm. of directors and everything. Well, and they, I feel like they know what they're doing. So a lot, I mean, they, they know what kind of genre they wallow, wallow yeah. in. So they end up being fun movies. Um, enter the void. Uh, Gaspar knows uh, uh. this is, a, now this is, <laughs> this movie is fucked up yeah man. <laughs> yeah I mean, he did he did irreversible uh-huh. and uh and it is so hard to watch i just wanted to mention it because if you ever just want do some drug if you're a drug person <laughs> do some drugs <laughs> and watch this movie because, only if you're a drug person exactly exactly <laughs> Jer- jeremy may be s- kidding there but no be be on drugs i'm not saying to go do drugs but i'm saying if you're already a drug person <laughs> But Barrett can edit it to make it sound like you're saying oh, yeah. drugs. I didn't see this movie, but did maybe maybe you did? Human maybe Centipede? Possibly. No. Okay. This what? was before, <laughs> thankfully, before I had, but I was watching everything. Okay. Uh, so, no, I did not have to endure that. Yeah. Oh, well, if you're going to do movies that you really shouldn't watch, uh-huh. but are really good, yeah. Antichrist came out this year. Oh, yeah, Lars yeah. Lars von Trier's. Uh, I know some people who love that movie. Oh, that's hard to watch. Yeah. But, it, yeah, I mean. Is that the one with Paul Bettany? No, this has uh, Willem Dafoe and uh, Charlotte. Yeah, Gainsbourg, Charlotte Gainsbourg right? in it. Uh, it's it's about a couple that their toddler falls out of a window yeah. and then all and the then crazy it, shit that and, happens. And afterwards. because their toddler falls out of a window, it turns into a weird psychosexual drama. Sure, exactly. Why, that's what always happens with yeah. those type of things. A movie called An Education came out with Carrie Mulligan. That's a, like sort of our first uh, introduction to Carrie Mulligan. It's actually a decent film. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Um, uh, Fanboys, which was about the people who went to wanted to go see the f- new Star Wars before yeah. it uh, came out and everything has that great ending line hey guys what if it sucks uh, <laughs> oh a perfect getaway came out we we were oh, talking yeah. about that this is a oh yeah steve zong yeah this is a, a movie that uh obviously hardly anybody saw it's not like anything that's going to make a lot of money or anything but i one of those movies i fired up one night when i was at the movie theater watched it and i was like man i'm really digging this this movie I don't want to say much about it at all because I will ruin it if I say much about it. Right. Uh, but it it does something shockingly cool. Yes. And it's from a storytelling perspective. And, and it, it makes sense. When you go back to it, you're yep. like, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, they didn't break any rules or nope. anything. Nope. And it's perfect. Yeah, I really I liked that. it. Um, and uh, I do want to mention I Love You, Philip Morris, because that's a good Jim Carrey, you and McGregor mm. movie, good comedy. Uh, you don't want to talk about Bad Lieutenant. <laughs> you don't want to talk about uh, Paul Blart Mall Cop. Uh, definitely don't want to talk about Paul Blart Mall Cop. Bad Lieutenant is a nut. This is where you get Nicolas Cage and say, "Go ahead and be Nicolas Cage, man," <laughs> and it'll it'll work somehow in this movie. And it is really a perfect universe. It's not a remake, right? Uh, no, it's basically like a parallel universe oh, type yeah, of movie yeah. or whatever. It's yeah, there's no mention of the original. I, I don't think. You. But Nicolas Cage, one of his very most manic performances you've ever Which seen. Which is saying something. It is yeah, saying something. Crazy. Werner Herzog uh, directed that. Wasn't he also in Knowing that year? Yeah, he, he was, was which yeah, was a was. bad movie. It's terrible. Unless you like it. <laughs> no, it doesn't, doesn't make it a great movie if I like it, but yeah. I don't, so we're, we're safe. Yeah. The All Men right. Who Stare at Goats. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> I think we're getting into the drinks now. I think we can move now. on, yeah. Okay, today's order is Jeremy, Chris, Barrett, and Aaron. This could get interesting. All right, Jeremy's going first for the first time in, well, I guess it's three weeks, but up in the air. <clears throat> and uh, 
it just has a little bit of everything for me. It's got uh, romance. I think the montage at his sister's wedding is just really charming and uh, romantic. It's got a gut punch. Um, it's got humor, um, and it, it's, it got a lot to say about a lot of different topics. Mm -hmm. And, uh, if you have never seen it, and I think that could be a lot of you because it didn't get tons of attention when it came out. Uh, I really don't think you could dislike this movie. And if you do, uh, send me a card and tell me about it. But <laughs> up in the air is my pick. Um, I, I, I know that we started doing this based on like cultural, you know significance and all that i think we've definitely changed over the years because mm -hmm. it's harder and harder to find that movie that's actually got that cultural significance and everything but um and here's a case of a movie that nobody saw and i'm going to say fantastic mr fox is my favorite movie mm -hmm. of 2009 Good pick. um because it is just i mean it's just i don't think there's any bad moment in it mm -hmm. And uh, and it's just a fun movie to watch all the way through. So that's gonna be my pick. Yeah, well, I'm I will make it interesting because my pick is in Glorious Bastards. Mm -hmm. oh, I think I think go. this is probably the third best Tarantino film mm -hmm. behind uh, Jackie Brown and Pulp Fiction mm -hmm. in some order. I would agree with that. Uh, it's it's terrific, and it's a genre. It's a it's a total departure for him. I mean, this is not you know Southern California. You know, it's a whole different universe for him. Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, famously, he, he stewed on this movie for years. Like, yeah, he'd get yeah, interviews yeah. way before about, I want to do like my own version of The Dirty Dozen. And you know, almost to the point where you would think he might swing and miss. He's wanted to do it for so long, but he didn't. I think it's a home run. Yeah, it's great. All right, so that's my pick. Aaron, you may have the deciding vote. If you have one of those three. Aaron's uh, going to vote up. My vote starts with up. Yep. And it also ends with up. Yes, ah. it is up. Uh, <laughs> I'm, as Jeremy knows, and many people who follow my stuff know, Pixar is like, you know, top for me. So yeah. my entire studio is decked out on Pixar stuff. And and it's, I think, my fourth favorite Pixar movie. So right. it's way up there. For yeah. All right. Well, I can't argue with picks. any of those. Um, and Up is actually my second round pick. Okay. Um, because it is, it does represent the, the last truly great Pixar movie, at least until Inside Out. I was going to say, we can talk about Inside Out, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and not the good dinosaur. No. but uh up is just it's just winning and charming and uh yeah i can't i i can't say enough good things about it so both of my picks have the word up in the title. yeah, yeah man. yep uh i'm gonna go in glorious bastards on my second pick this is gonna get fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so yeah i mean this is uh just a all-around fantastic movie man i i don't it's another one that i don't ever get bored watching and uh even the slow moments yeah. are are informative and great. So yeah. got to go with it. I love the slow moments. Probably yeah. some of the most ones that I like. Yeah. Um, I'm going with Up in the Air. So the oh. math is going to get all we need, wow. like a T9 or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so, Aaron, what's yes. your second pick? I'm, I think I'm going to solve this. Up in the Air is my number there two. You go. Oh, so. All right. All right. Up yeah. in the air. We, that could easily have been a When Harry Met Sally situation right there, where we vote so many rounds deep, we award some decent movie that's not the best I almost of the went year. with Moon. I really like Moon. But you could I just, just go with Moon, no, and no, I would no, not no, argue. No, no, no. Up in the air is, I think, what, I think that's the right choice. Yeah. A lot of ups there. Yeah. All right. We got ups. Way to go, Clooney. Yeah. yeah. Woohoo. So, he had, uh, had a very good chance of being in one of the movies that we made. <laughs> 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 so today, we're going to sort of talk about the process by which reviewers review 
I am a movie critic by trade. That was very strange. It was very weird. It was peculiar. <laughs> it was kind of amusing. Yes, it was rather funny. It was incredibly funny. I loved it. Hilarious. <laughs> Hated it. Two very enthusiastic thumbs up. I didn't like this movie at all. My first problem was the fact that I couldn't say the title. I get tired of titles I can't pronounce and shit. We're going to be talking about what, we're, what is our process when we go in and watch a movie. Are we in there to hate it? Or are we in there to love it? Or do we have any real, like, preconceived notions before we even go watch it? Anyway, Aaron Dicer is here with us. He did. Uh, he's on the Your Movie Friend on YouTube and everything. What is your process? So I like to think it, there's two reasons you listen to a reviewer or a critic, right? There's, there's the do I want to see this reason. Mm-hmm. Like, give me some information. Let me know if I'm going to go check this out. The other is calibration. This is the other reason. You, you may have seen it as well as they've seen it, and you kind of want to calibrate. Like, do I think the same way they do? Yeah. Do I see it the same way? What's interesting, neither of those two reasons are about saying if, if the movie is you know quantitatively good or bad. It's about finding a process to understand movies. Yeah. So I think if you look at it that way, I think you come, you know, a lot, uh, you come off a lot better than trying to figure out, okay, here's how the math works. That's you know, got to be an A-. minus. I mean, you do some of that. But I think for the most part, it's, you know, letting whoever know or going to whoever to find out, you know, how am I going to feel about this movie? Well, and that's what I like about the reviews you do on YouTube, your movie friend, where you're basically doing these, at least from what I've seen, these five things to know about this movie. And sometimes you delve into things you liked or didn't within those five things to know. But what you're trying to do is give the viewer enough information to decide whether or not they should go see this. Yeah, because it's not up to me to decide you know whether a movie is good or bad it's up to me to decide to give you the information you need to make your decisions that's how i see it right and a lot and not of, every critic sees it that way a lot no. of critics see themselves on this high throne yeah. where they get to declare you know oh this is a good movie this is a bad movie i just don't see it that mm. way well and i think that that shows in your work and there's a lot of youtube movie critics that are successful and uh, i'm a big fan of chris stuckman Me i too. like jeremy johns yep. a lot awesome and those guys typically go deep on reviews they'll talk for 30 35 minutes kind of like what we do on the podcast when we review a film now we have been accused as cinema sins of being movie reviewers <laughs> <laughs> and have vehemently denied that since our inception we're just comedic assholes um we do now review films in a podcast format you know, I wouldn't call us even professional reviewers. Now, Chris wrote reviews mm-hmm. on a website for years and years and was one of my favorite reviewers to read, uh, probably because we share taste. And that's another thing I think that helps a reviewer find their audience, at least when they are doing that declarative, well, this is good or bad. You like I want to read reviews from people that generally agree with me about it. Yeah, film. and that's the calibration process, right? You you tend to gravitate towards people you, you can trust, and you know you can trust them because you see most of the stuff kind of the same way. Yeah, so. yeah, that's exactly what it. And that's why I always loved reading Roger Ebert. I, I used mm-hmm. to read Owen Gleiberman at Entertainment Weekly a lot because we just kind of had the same reactions to yeah and you got to declare yourself too you have to make some sort of statement chris actually had like a mission statement type of thing on his uh, on his website there where it's like this is this is my critical philosophy and chris is a smart guy and you want to make sure that this person knows what they're talking about even if they don't agree with you if you don't have the same taste they need to know what they're talking about and that's what i really am drawn to smart people that know about movies this is their opinion, whether you agree with it or not. I've obviously disagreed with a lot of, you know, popular reviewers. But, you know, as long as you I get what you're saying, I'm good with that. Yeah, you're looking for uh, the audience, just like anything. You're looking for that audience that 
cares about what you say. Not everybody's going to care about what you say. Uh, the reason why people gravitate towards certain reviewers is because, yeah, just like what you were saying is that he kind of says what I think about movies and everything. Every once in a while, there's going to be a disagreement there or whatever. There are so many factors, though, uh, and this is just coming from being a projectionist and then writing the reviews the next morning or even the night of watching the movies. You are tired going in sometimes. Sometimes you have a preconceived notion about what that movie is going to be before you go in and then you don't give it a very good, uh, you know, review because of it. Um, I always would do this. I would kill myself a lot of times would watch these movies till two or three o'clock in the morning, sometimes later, and then try to get that review written before I went to bed. So like, I'm writing at three o'clock in the morning about some movie a lot of times. And then I have to go back and like, did I really think, and, and, and I always avoided rotten tomatoes and all that just mm. to make sure that I was writing something that wasn't like everybody else was writing. Right. I, I would go and later look at rotten tomatoes and say, okay, my opinion either conforms or doesn't with the rotten tomato. Well, and way back in the day when ain't it cool news started, that's what I liked about Harry Knowles reviews. That, which have gone off the rails for me in the last several years, but he would tell you all about his day and his state of mind yeah, exactly. before yeah. he went in yeah. to see the film because he understood that that impacts how much he likes or dislikes a movie, yeah. uh, how much history he has with a certain property or what have you. And not everybody takes that approach for sure. In fact, most reviewers do the exact opposite and they 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 don't tell you anything about their state of mind. Before but I think, I think objectivity is a myth. Like, I, yeah. I think it's something I get trying to be objective, but when you're reviewing art, it's always going to be subjective. Yep. It's oh, yeah. always going to be based on who you are, where you came from, what you believe, how you see the world, what state of mind you were in when mm -hmm. you saw it. You just you can't you're human. You can't change that. You can try to dial it back. And I think you probably should a little bit. Mm -hmm. So you're not just a you know a raving fanboy like I might be about Pixar sometimes. Mm -hmm. But, I, you know, at the end of the day. You are who you are, and you just got to be honest about it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, The thing is now is uh, when I'm watching a movie at this point is it'll be, and I'm and it's never for the purpose of reviewing it later. It's more of, okay, am I liking this or not? And, and a lot of times it's like, I'm not liking this. Why is it that I'm not liking this? And then you start going back into where, where the movie has, has been, you know, what it's done so far, and you realize that oh, it's this, they took a turn here that I wasn't too thrilled with, I would have liked to have seen this, or whatever. And you a lot that of, during? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, I mean, sometimes I will wait until, I, I, mean, I mean, yeah, I'll wait until after the movie a lot of times to consider that, but I remember watching the movie Red with a whole bunch of people at Hollywood 27, and 20 minutes into that movie, I turned to the guy and I was like, you know what? This isn't very good, <laughs> and uh, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I know, and uh, and I was just, I and, and I couldn't put my finger on it, and then later on, I thought about it, and like, yeah, this is the reason why this isn't very good, and here's why I'm how I'm going to articulate nice, this yeah. and everything. So yeah, a lot of sometimes it's during the movie, it's a lot of times it's after the movie. Yeah. It really depends on what you're feeling at the time. If it's a really bad movie, then you're going to start thinking, <laughs> you're going to start drift. Yeah. Well, and I think one of the reasons I like that you call your reviews or your channel your movie friend is that I think what a lot of like if you're a big movie fan and you read reviews, you're looking for somebody that can advise you the way a friend would. Exactly. Right? And yeah. Chris and I have known each other for 17 years now. Um 
our taste has always been similar, but we've grown to know each other even better to exactly. where like uh, I asked him the other night over email about Krampus because I knew he had just watched it. And I was like, is that any good? And he was like, eh, it's a C plus. That's all I need to know. Right. Like, I know enough about his taste that the odds are very slim. I'm going to watch Krampus and really like it. And yeah. I'm going to move on. So when I'm reading a movie reviewer who's, who, I, who I don't have that personal relationship with, I want that trust level. Right. That's what at least Jeremy wants when he's reading or watching reviews. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I think trust is key. And actually, some of the, the biggest positive feedback I get on my horror movie reviews, I hate horror movies. Like it's mm -hmm. it's really interesting because they're the ones where I respect the audience enough to go, OK, if you love horror movies, here's what you're going to like about mm -hmm. it, even though I don't, even though I'm going to give this a D plus. <laughs> mm -hmm. You. You may love this because, you know, you enjoy horror movies for what they are and you see things that I don't see. Now, when I see a horror movie I actually enjoy, which that happens usually once a year, there's, you know, like I think of like It Follows or something mm -hmm. like that where I'm like, wow, that is beautifully crafted, amazing work, that kind of stuff. It allows another level of honesty and trust to be able to say, oh, he this, you know, he really liked this because we know he'll be honest and say, you know, right. that he has preconceived notions about horror movies. So I just think it's there's an importance in you know, kind of keeping that upfront and honest. How do you deal with, because you get screeners as a professional critic. Yeah. Um, so you, you get to see films a lot of times before they come out, but these are being sent to you by the studio. Right. And how do you balance trying to give an honest opinion with trying not to piss off the studio so they stop <laughs> sending you screeners? Interesting story. I, I'm not worried about the studios, except in uh, copyright strikes on YouTube, which is just like, can you can we just make a whitelist already for some channels? <laughs> oh, it exists. They, it's just impossible to get on it. Uh, yeah, it's anyways, the white whale. Anyways, as far as screeners go, I'm not worried about the studios or anything you know like that uh, with screeners. I'm worried about some of my uh, personal handshake, you know, kind of local stuff like okay. with theaters, because if the theater owners feel like I'm trashing a movie and telling people not to go to the movies, oh, okay. then that handshake deal is gone. Um, you know, so that's, I don't pay for movies because I have handshake deals with the, you know, the local theaters uh, to promote their stuff on my and by handshake YouTube deals. You mean like they give you weed and shit? <laughs> I just mean, there's no written contract. That's oh, okay. all I mean. So, uh, so, in fact, the the last um, theater that that I worked something out with to be able to screen for free with them, uh, they they very in the email said you cannot lampoon or uh, trash a movie or we'll take the deal. And I emailed them back and said I can't promise that what you will see from me won't qualify for your definition of that. But I want you to know I love movies and I want people to go to the theater. So right. I'm always going to give, especially on TV when I do reviews on television uh, every weekend, I always give, if like I review two bad movies, I'll give a third option that people can go see so that they know there's oh, something awesome. worth you know going out to see. So This is that common misconception about critics too, is that is that critics only like what's going to win Oscars and stuff like that, which is one of the... One of the uh, one of the things that I hate the most about the commoners, mm. um, <laughs> the plebes. Yeah. Um, no, I I hate it when I hear that when somebody like says they like a movie and and it's usually it's a trash movie or something like that and it's fine you can have that opinion or whatever, but don't couch that by saying well I wasn't trying to win an Oscar or anything you right. know I was not trying to please the critics or anything <laughs> yeah. 
uh, most critics i think realize that when they go in to watch you know transformers or something like that they're not looking for oscar caliber movie they're yeah. just looking for something that just for once isn't stupid and loud well you know there's also the the, con- the preconception that reviewers like to give negative reviews or like to hate on movies when i think all of us in this room every movie we go see we want that to be good oh, yeah, yeah I mean, it bums me out when i have to give an awful review yeah it I bums mean, me but out. because you've not only that but you've wasted two hours of your life on right. something bad um and so yeah I, I think there are certainly critics out there who have gotten bitter like anton ego and have just they just trash everything or mm. trash too much but i think the general ones i think chris stuckman goes into every movie hoping it's good mm-hmm. yeah. um because we love movies you don't go into reviewing films if you're not a film fanatic right well, I think that's something that uh, Siskel and Ebert had to address when they were about to do their Godzilla review. And, you know, Godzilla is obviously really bad, really yeah, bad. And movie. even has like an Ebert. And it has an Ebert. In. Yeah. And everything. And, and they and, mm-hmm. and they basically said, look, we we want everything to be good. We don't hate Roland Emmerich personally. I do now, though. Oh, yeah? They Did, may not, but I do now. You hate him personally? No, I don't hate him personally. <laughs> I was like, now now there's like some stories coming no, out. No, <laughs> I just hate his work. He's just a cliche. Just to clarify, there's no stories about Roland Emmerich. <laughs> and for uh, you now, Jeremy, coming in the door, Roland Emmerich. Yeah. <laughs> it's our new format, Scandals and Animals. Yeah, yes, exactly. But they, he said that, you know, they said that, look, we want, we go into everything wanting to like it. We don't go in saying, man, I can't wait to give our savage review of Godzilla. We want to come out and say, man, that was better than we thought it was going to be. And, uh, man, you know, it's it's nothing personal. I mean, sometimes I guess it is with some people. It is. It's personal or whatever. Uh, there was a reviewer a while back that I used to read just for this kind of value. And it was Armin White. Do you remember this guy? Mm, no. He typically was like a critical troll of the internet yeah um just about every review of anything that was worthwhile he was like well this just doesn't hack it and blah 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 and and it would be movies that are 99 percent most of the right. time uh and then and then like something like transformers would come out and he would be like oh i do remember this guy yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and then and then i'd be the only positive review it'd be the only positive yeah. review and 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 i saw interviews with him where he was like he was like no 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 i'm dead serious i'm not trolling and all that i was like the what you are doing is the very definition of yeah. trolling yeah because and you and and a troll would never ever admit it either right. that's the thing right that's why and he's getting interviewed is because he's standing out correct. by doing the exact opposite and you'll yeah. never get me to believe he doesn't know that yeah you know yeah yeah absolutely so you do have cases where it's obvious that they're doing it but <sighs> i think you do have to be careful with with bad reviews there's a couple things uh i wanted to say number one and i, I go the extra mile in this and i don't expect everybody to but I cast zero judgment on if somebody loves a movie. If you love a movie, mm-hmm. good for you. Yeah. Enjoy it. Yeah. Have a great if we you know, Paul Blart Mall Cop. If yeah. you love Paul Blart and you're laughing your butt off and you think Kevin James is the funniest thing ever, have a great time. You know, exactly. don't take my F grade to mean you're an idiot. That's not what it means. Well, and it plenty just... of people did because they made a second one of those. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we even talk about Avatar. That thing made a ton of money, you know. Mm-hmm. We can sit about, you know, here and talk about it being a bad movie, but no judgment, you know, if you enjoy something that I don't. Uh, that's one. And the other thing is Roger Ebert used to talk about this. Every movie is graded in in, in his, um, and I kind of feel the same way in what he did, 
uh, kind of on the basis of other movies like it. So when you look at something like Godzilla, base it on how it compares to other summer blockbusters. Mm-hmm. When you look at a horror movie, base it on how it you know compares to other horror movies because movies are so different that you know kind of comparing them like you know you guys do with you know every year can be really tricky. Uh, and so he was very explicit about, you know, this is an A that doesn't mean it's the same A that this other movie is. It's yeah. just an A for this movie on its own terms. He takes his movies on his own yeah, terms. Yeah, I used to get an A on a math quiz, and then I'd get an A in a chemistry test, and that doesn't mean the same thing. Right, exactly. I mean, they're both the same grade, but they were two t- completely different tasks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I actually tended to avoid any kind of lettering grade. I'd started that, that same way, too. Reason, for that very reason, because, uh, because people do compare all your grades, and if you give you know, a dude wears my car, a B, <laughs> and the hangover, a C, yeah. then yeah, people yeah. are going to be like, you know. I, I've, I've had on? this conversation with with so many other reviewers and, and critics about giving a, a tangible nugget that says, here's what I thought, whether it be a grade or a number or, or whatever you want to do. And I was against it to begin with, too. And I, I can't remember which critic it it was that that I read something about, um, or maybe I heard them on something. It was Malton. It was Leonard Malton mm-hmm. was talking about he did the same thing. He hated giving you know a grade, and then somebody told him that the audience needs something to get their foundation and their footing under to understand the rest. Mm-hmm. So if you talk about the entire movie without giving him you know that you know grip, that sometimes it'll just get lost. And so it's almost like you know a peg that they get to hold on to while they understand, you know, the rest. And since then, I've, you know, done the letter Well, and you can thing. only do so much, right? If people want to compare one review to another, even if you don't put a letter grade on it, someone's going to come out and say, well, you didn't seem to like this, but you like this? You're stupid. And I think Rotten Tomatoes is just really misunderstood by the majority of the oh. film-going public. And I find it I appreciate super what useful. they're trying to do, uh, but people do not understand how Rotten Tomatoes works. No, and if they did, I think it could be even more popular. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, even studios, I'm seeing trailers now on TV that's like 99 yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes. And I'm like, okay, but what was the mean average score? Was it 7.1? Right, Because yeah. that matters mm-hmm. more. Because, I mean, I, but people don't understand what it is. And so any, anytime I ever tweet about something like... Something I think it was Arrival or something recently. Man, no, it was Doctor Strange. It was mm. like at ninety eight or something, and I tweeted it out. Because to me, that means something. Mm. That means ninety eight percent of the critics on Rotten Tomatoes who have currently reviewed that film were favorable as opposed to yeah. not favorable. Gave it a C plus or better. But that yeah, it could be anywhere in between a C and an A. Uh, but I always just get lambasted for just blindly trusting Rotten. Well, no, I just understand it, you prick. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it usually means when you get a higher rating that. It tends to trend towards you liking it as well, whereas a negative, like a lower score, means that more and more people have said this is not good. Right. Even though it doesn't mean that it's either good or bad, it just you know you have a better idea of what it's going to be. Yeah, absolutely. Can I ask you guys a question? Sure. What are your thoughts on permanence of the reviews? Because obviously, you're, I mean, depending on your mood going into the review. Uh, or how you viewed the film and everything, that may change completely on the second viewing or the third viewing or fourth or whatever. But your review, if you're if you're out there in the critical landscape, your review is permanent, essentially. Yeah, we were talking about this a little bit uh, a couple of days ago with how Rolling Stone gave Led Zeppelin's albums, like, you know, bad reviews yeah, when they yeah, came yeah. out. Of course, they're considered classic albums today. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of times, yes, you have a problem here. When you review an album or something like that, and you're, 
you are listening to it maybe twice, and then you have to get a deadline. Yeah, yeah. And you have to say, well, after these two listens, this is what I think about this, and it's not nearly enough. And I think movies are the same way a lot of times. You watch something, I've watched plenty of movies where I just like, ah, it wasn't very good. Uh, Anchorman was yeah, what, was, yeah. a, was a classic case where I was like, ah, this is pretty funny, I guess. I didn't like it overall. And then years later, went back to it and said, man, there's a lot of funny things in this. Yeah. Why was I missing that? Well, it's because I was by myself in a theater at midnight. Yeah, yeah. So. Also, we change. Like, yeah. you know, it's not even necessarily that you were wrong. You're just a different person now than you were when you saw it, too. So I think the audience can understand that and, you know, and understand that things change and people change. And so it doesn't it doesn't bother me to have it in permanent record, because if somebody wants to start a conversation, then we can you know have the conversation about how my opinion has changed. I also update my best movies of all time list every year. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. So, you know, there is some kind of retrospective you well, know, work even that in I do. The 2007 discussion, Chris was talking about the list he made that year. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And oh, ended yeah. up well, voting was... in the podcast for a different movie yeah. than had been the top of the. Oh, yeah. You're Absolutely. right. We change. I remember Josh, my buddy Josh and I went to see Cable Guy and we loved it. And six months later, when it came out on video, we were like, Let's go make sure if we were right. Yeah. <laughs> and then I saw Kids in the Hall Brain Candy and hated it. Mm-hmm. And then six months later, I rented it to see if I was right. Nope, I was wrong. I yeah. loved it the second mm-hmm. time. And so, I, yeah, but, uh, so much goes into how much you enjoy a movie. This is why I hate going to the theater because I got so spoiled at the movie theater of being by myself. Right. The theater's dark. Nobody's crinkling any papers. Nobody's phone is on. If Chris is in there, he's not acting up. Uh, and and now I, you just can't almost not watch a movie without distraction. Oh, it's bad. And like that guy in Arrival who was snorting the whole time. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that will sometimes impact how much you're able to enjoy a movie. I was watching The Edge of Seventeen, which, by the way, if you haven't seen it, it's actually really I've heard good. I really want to see that. Really but good. No one's watching it. Two, two girls sitting right in front of me, probably right in that, you know, 15 to 18 mark. And they just talked. They looked at each other the entire movie and just talked. Like, they didn't even look at the screen. And I'm like, this is a movie about you. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, sh- it should be drawing you. And I feel they just, like they the, weren't there to watch the movie. I feel like that's how they experience movies. I think that's how people experience movies now. It yeah. Like, be. Yeah. Uh, this this sort of new generation that's always on the phones and, you know, all that type of stuff. I'm sounding really old. <laughs> <laughs> with the these, phones these and the things ones. and you know, the technology. You know, with the gizmos <laughs> and, and the gadgets. The lighty box. What is that lighty box um, they use? But I, I think that's how I think that's how a lot of uh, of this new generation experiences things. Now, they they have a movie on it on uh, you know at home, and they're just mm. sitting there, want, you know, like oh yeah, it's funny, whatever. And so then, how do how do you, how do they compile that information? Do they just watch it enough times that they can compile all the pieces? To- I think their brains are different. Okay, mm-hmm. I managed a ten screen north of Nashville for about two years. Um, suburb, about 50,000 people. Friday night was the bane of my existence because for whatever reason, it was the mall. And we didn't have a mall, but I would get three to 500 kids dropped off by parents and not one of them gave a shit what movie they were going to see. They just wanted, that was where they saw their friends. And mm-hmm. they would movie hop and they would get all out the back door and set off my silent alarms. And it was just a pain in the ass. But there's something generationally different, I think, about the way... I guess millennials are experiencing movies. And I think it's a much more social experience for most of them. Mm-hmm. Whereas for our generation, it was about quality. We wanted yeah, to see yeah. a good film. Yeah. It's a good point. Yeah. And I think that's why we're seeing a lot of these, these movies that just have, I mean, they're, 
they they require maybe they do require more knowledge to watch them now like warcraft and stuff like that although warcraft uh didn't really do well here at all um you know it's one of those things where when you when you hear that thing about warcraft like well uh that was made for the fans and everything and the fans are supposed to come out in droves then right they didn't hear yeah you know but uh but anyway movies like that where they're just like they're just incoherent and everything like that maybe that's just part of the thing maybe we're hitting on what explains the popularity of the fast and furious franchise because Mm. they're not even looking at half of it and and it's been dumbed down so much for people who aren't paying close attention Mm -hmm. and all they really want are big crashes and smashes Mm -hmm. well that's i mean that's been going on for years right the the subtle dumbing down of yeah but the 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 number of things that somebody survives all in one movie yeah and and I think it becomes even more egregious when it's seven movies and yeah. they're all these same people surviving things they should have died in the first movie on, you know. But uh, anyway. I think you guys are hitting on something that actually is pertinent to talking about why reviewers or critics are important and even why awards are important because a lot of people think awards are outdated and why would you do this? Because it really is one of the only avenues for you know somebody who may want to be more discerning or those kind of things to really find some of that precious treasure amongst all the remakes and the sequels and the you know at the end of the year I get you know all these screeners mostly fresh new material you know uh, and I, I I've been on a binge lately because uh, I've actually my nominations are due tomorrow night so oh, wow. I have my oh, nominations wow. for the awards uh, due tomorrow night so I've been binging everything I'm just like. You know, these are the movies people need to be seeing. You know, I just saw a beautiful movie called A Monster Calls that, you know, came out this year. I'm just like, if if this was in people's, you know, uh, top of mind, that, that's why I think it's so valuable to have those people who are really sifting through everything. Yeah. It's called my podcast Sift Pop for that reason. Yeah. Because you're really sifting to find the treasure amongst what seems like, you know, a desert. That's sort of so, the uh, the thing that's happened, right, with the digital uh, projectors coming in is that a lot of independent theaters haven't been able to catch up to that. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of independent movies are not ha- not getting a chance either. And we, we're lucky in Nashville because we got the Belcourt and they revamped everything to uh, keep their people coming in and everything. But, you know, your everyday mom and pop, 80-year-old independent movie theaters are starting to die out because they can't handle the cost of digital, and neither yeah. can the independent movies, really. Yeah. yeah. But without, you know, without awards, do you think we, you know, we get those movies? I mean, if there's no reason for them, maybe we get La La Land you yeah, know, or something like that that's, you know, kind of a big commercial musical kind of thing, but I don't think you get, like, Live by Night or Manchester by the Sea or all these movies you're going to start to hear about uh, here in the next few months. Yeah, there's absolutely no reason because it's not going to be financial. For no, sure. nobody's going to make money off of it. Yeah, so yeah. I think it's valuable. All right, so uh, Barrett, you were uh, reading our emails, and every once in a while we'll come across one that uh, you know uh, humbles you a little bit, and uh, not in the way that somebody comes and says, "Oh, you guys are pieces of shit" or something <laughs> like that. It's more along the lines of, "Hey, they re- they like the podcast, and it helps them through hard times yeah. sometimes." And that's just—I don't know what to say, but um, it makes us makes I think all of us in this room very proud of what we do. Yeah, it was amazing. As soon as I got this email, I sent it to you guys, and I think I had a very visceral reaction to this. I mean, it was put in a very nice way, well-written and everything. It's an email from Brazil, and I guess we had the same reactions where it was just like, damn, you know? Mm. Yeah, I'm never going to get used to 
you know, the three of us sitting around just shooting the shit about movies can actually brighten somebody's day. I mean, I'm super glad that can happen. That makes me feel very humbled and proud, but it's still weird. Yeah. It's still weird, like... Us? Really? Okay. More <laughs> proud to you. Yeah. Well, this is from a listener, and uh, apologies if I mispronounce your name. It's Wenceslaw or Wenceslaw Neto. Uh, this is a listener from Brazil, and he wrote us a very nice note. We wanted to read it here uh, because we loved it. Uh, hello, I am from Brazil and a fan of the YouTube channel and the Syncast. As soon as it comes out, I download it and work out listening to it. It's a great way to start the week. Excellent show every week. The only complaint I would have is that you guys haven't mentioned Hairspray 1988 or the 2007 remakes, both good movies. Now, there's where I got a problem with you, Wenceslaus. Because <laughs> that's some bullshit. You can't just um, drop that casually in there. Yeah, the rest of this is great, but, but come on with that nonsense. <laughs> anyway, but the reason I've decided to send this email is different. In Brazil, we all live and breathe soccer, as you may know. Uh, this Tuesday, um, a plane crashed, killing 76 out of 81 passengers. They were from the soccer team Chapecoense that was going to Colombia to play the first leg of the Copa Sul-Americana or the South American Cup. The country is shocked. Everyone is destroyed emotionally because of this, specifically because it was a small club and an amazing fairy tale that ended tragically. With that, millions are literally crying since the accident was just announced, and we are still crying with the things that they're doing to honor the team and our country. Minutes of silence are happening around the globe, and not only in soccer games. I've heard that at least three NBA games had minutes of silence for this team. Right now in Colombia, the fans of the team Chapecoense would face. Atletico Nacional are at their stadium celebrating the lives of those players that died in a beautiful ceremony, and with that, here we are crying again. So I'd like to say that one of the things that kept me sane was your podcasts, the one about 2008 and the one about Fantastic Beasts, which I saw yesterday, to distract myself for some hours. And I've actually done a syncast marathon to sleep well yesterday, so apparently we put people to sleep. <laughs> uh, it helps to improve my English, a win-win situation. I'm going to apologize again to Wenceslaw about all the curse words. Yes. Because of that, I would like to thank you guys for the great job that is done with the podcast. It makes my day better uh, for some hours and makes me go to the movies, which is kind of rare to me lately. I saw that there's trouble in Tennessee as well. I hope things are better over there. Of course, there was um, the uh, fire in Gatlinburg in eastern uh, Tennessee. So that was definitely a thing, and I appreciate his thoughts with that. Thanks for your time. Uh, and it's as the PS is as a Brazilian, it's an honor that you picked uh, City of God as the best movie of 2002, which is also awesome. Yeah. Too, yeah. But it's a great email. Thank you so much. By the way, it's gorgeously worded. Uh, hit us all in the gut. Our thoughts are with all the people of the team there and the the plane crash. And uh, please feel free to email us uh, silly things or serious things like this. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, I think it's one of those things that makes us realize what we're doing is worthwhile. And I'll always uh, uh, love reading those type of things. So uh, bring keep them coming. Definitely. Want to do some questions? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All, all right. right. A some cues. Question, question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I am listening. Let's say some cues. We got some good ones uh, this week and glad to have Aaron sitting in to weigh in on these. Uh, first one is, what is the cringiest moment out of your favorite films? Mm. Um, that's a really interesting one. Too, yeah. Because what my mind initially goes to is the hobbling scene in Misery. Oh, yeah. That was hideous to me. Uh, the way the sound was done, the the way that his leg and foot turned sideways, it uh, oh yeah, it was awful. Yeah. Oh yeah, 
Oh, yeah. I think I misinterpreted this question. I was going to say, there's go. two ways to go with this, right? Like, cringy, like uh, like you're talking about. Like, I would think, like, for me, would be uh, the curb stomping scene. And, you know, oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's total cringeworthy. There's also, like, this is so cheesy. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, yeah. ridiculous uh, in that way as well. So. Um, I was trying to think of kind of both and I you know so many of these faith-based movies mm-hmm. I think like God's not dead uh, uh-huh. and there's this scene towards <laughs> the end where this atheist who's been a staunch atheist the entire movie uh, and I'm giving away the end and I don't care yeah. uh, you know is hit by a truck is and God is not his, dead at the end and is well this guy is <laughs> oh, okay. uh, so he, gets, he gets hit by this car and he's at the end and you know a Christian comes up to him and is like you just need to pray this prayer before you die and you'll go to heaven. And this atheist prays this prayer and like all the Christians celebrate. And it's just <laughs> as somebody who's like, can we just live in the real world for a second? Yeah. And I am a Christian. I believe that stuff. Right. But it's just like, you know, it's just so cringy to me uh, to see these movies and because, you know, they're, you know, they're they're preaching to the choir, you know, <laughs> literally. quite literally. Yeah. You reminded me of and I'm sorry, this is slightly a tangent, but uh, I, I had to watch a lot of faith based movies when I was at Hollywood 27 because. <laughs> You know, we'd we'd get them, and they'd be a uh, you know they'd be they'd rent out theaters and all those mm-hmm. other type of stuff. It's a whole different marketing kind of campaign for those movies. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and uh, one that I watched was a Mormon uh, based movie, and that it it was about these two elders who went to uh, California to spread the word, and the the story is basically one of the elders falls in love with the girl across the hall in the apartment. And oh my God, has sex with her, and that's the that's the thing. That's the big uh-huh. and uh, and like and so he has to confess to his you know his elders about it and everything. And the guy, there's like a scene where the he the like the main minister guy goes over and hugs the guy. He's like, "You stupid, stupid child." <laughs> And um, does it really say you stupid, stupid child? Something like that. Wow. He he was saying it in a comforting way, though. Um, and I and I and what made it even worse is that uh, it ended up that the group that was going to watch that movie ended up not watching that movie. I had to build it up, watch it, and then break it back down into reels oh afterwards. My God. Well, I call um, them I call them Christ exploitation movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's geared towards a certain audience, and mm-hmm. it's not worried necessarily about quality. That's not you know the. It's just you know it's it's meant to be their you know their thing. So mm-hmm. and and some of that's okay, but you know at the end of the day, I want to see good movies, yeah. and I should say they are getting better. There have mm-hmm. actually been a couple come out recently that it, I can actually give somewhat of a positive review to. So yeah, well, I other. There are a couple of line readings in The Matrix that make me cringe. Mm. Um, and Matrix is my favorite movie of all time. But I hate the woe from the rooftop, <laughs> mm. which is the most canoe moment of the whole movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when um, Cypher decides to start killing them one by one, pulling out their probes or whatever, I hate the switch line reading where she goes, no. Not like this. Not yeah, like this. Yeah. Like, it just it pulls me out of that scene every time because it's just such a robotic, weird line rating. Um, so that's what I wrote down. I don't know if I misinterpreted the question. Um, no, no. Yeah. If you, if you wince at a line or if you wince. Uh, my follow up to this was anytime Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman were together in oh. any of the Star Wars prequels. Oh. Yeah, but that's not a good movie, though. Uh, that's true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, 
I wrote down this one, and I'm sorry, there's some frank language on this one. Very frank, but we'll go with it. It's an election, uh-huh. and it's unnecessary. <laughs> it's an unnecessary part. Matthew Broderick is sitting there talking about Tracy Flick through this whole beginning part of the movie and everything, and then it cuts to his friend, Dave Novotny, his face full on, and he's like, her pussy gets so wet. <laughs> And it's just the most unnecessary thing ever. And and it's, you know, I love that movie and I love how frank it is. But that part did not need to be in that. We, all we needed to know was that they were sleeping together. We yeah. didn't need to know that. And Matthew Broderick, to the credit, there's a part Matthew, right after he says that, Matthew Broderick's like, don't say that. I don't need to hear that. <laughs> and I was like, I'm, I agree with you. We don't need to hear that. And it's one of the cringe moments in election. For yeah. me. Uh, oh, I think you bring it about that it's unnecessary. I think there are some movies, too, where the cringeworthiness of it is a necessary part of the I think of a lot of the... Uh, movies about race relations and those mm-hmm. kind of things and you'll see the blatant racism of just like you know a few decades ago and or even now you know i don't want to pretend like it's gone but it's so cringeworthy like do people do people really talk to each other like that mm-hmm. and it's like well there's a whole there's genre a- now of cringe comedy like uh, all of the ricky gervais stuff is basically just trying to make you feel uncomfortable from yeah. the office to his stand-up and and yeah i think sometimes it's it's necessary all right, next one. What's your favorite musical film? Not like a musical, but a film uh, that works music into it, like School of Rock, Almost Famous, that kind of thing. Okay. What do you guys think? Well, I wrote down Almost Famous, but it was in the question. Yeah. And we've raved about that a lot, so I'm going to take a left turn to that thing you do. Uh, oh, yeah. Which I've raved about plenty of times. Yeah. Not a musical could technically be called a musical i guess well uh, I, I would call it a musical in a way like it's not yes not by definition yeah it's not like they break out in a song you will have that that thing you do song yeah. in your head all the way through it and they have the one other song that's really good that yeah. they play in there too yeah um there's a lot of music being played in that movie so yeah. i consider that a musical in a way yeah anyway the that's songs my are all organic yeah know? so it's an organic musical it's not you know break out in this song it's not like chicago right you're yeah. talking now they're singing yeah <laughs> i actually i actually just thought of mine uh whiplash oh, oh yeah is yeah that's by far my favorite that is about music yeah you know? oh yeah and uh boy man the way that they work that in, oh, oh yeah my god it's just perfect you see these almost glamour shots of the drum kits and the clarinets and the 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 winds and the saxes and stuff like that and it's just, it's amazing how those parts fit all together, and it makes it so compelling. Mm-hmm. And I will say, as the, as the one who has seen La La Land, uh, Damien Chaz- Chazelle's follow-up, that love of music, and I know it's a blatant musical, this one is, but that love of jazz, all that is is built into that movie Yeah, the guy well, must, have, so. must have a love of music mm-hmm. way down deep mm-hmm. for, to, to make those two movies. That's oh, a good yeah. answer. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm going to be alone in this room. I actually, first off, I'm, I'm going to name two. Uh, one, a traditional musical. I love Moulin Rouge, and I know that- I do, too. Yeah, I know that you're a little bit down on it, and you hate it. Yeah, I do. Um, but- uh, I love it for I do like the music. I do like what they did with it. I do like the colors. I do like I like the story and even the even though the endings kind of like starts starts going downhill. That's the that's the musical that I sort of like compare most other musicals to at this point. Um, I wore that soundtrack out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, that is fun stuff. Yeah. 
the one that doesn't fit, I'm glad that we are talking about ones that don't quite fit because that helps you think in a different way. And I always enjoy that. But Nashville is oh. a great musical kind of movie. I mean, that's another organic type of thing. There's people singing, getting into numbers all throughout that movie. Um, especially the Carradine number, I'm Easy, is mm-hmm. great. But there's all sorts of stuff in there. Henry Gibson, Bonnie Blakely does all these. There's a lot of great songs in it. You just made me think of uh, The Thing Called Love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. which is the same kind of thing it's right. set in Nashville and has some great musical performances uh, really singable stuff yeah mm-hmm. it is it, well, the thing with Nashville Robert Altman's Nashville is that there's so much variety in it, in it too because mm-hmm. you've got I'm Easy and then you've got Lily Tomlin singing with the, the Black Gospel Crop yeah, choir yeah, yeah. you've got all these different aspects of uh, you know sped up country and stuff like that man mm-hmm. that was absolutely on my list I'm glad you said it because it's, it's a great portrait of this city from a bygone era yeah those people would not recognize this this city now yeah uh, i'm gonna go light with what i think is an underseen movie it's uh get him to the greek mm-hmm. uh which is not a traditional musical in any way right but it's we were talking about forgetting sarah marshall last week uh and this is the continuation of that aldous snow character mm-hmm. and it's not a good movie probably should not watch this movie but I don't know. I, I, kinda, uh, you like it more than I do. I don't know. It's about in the middle for me. All but. right. So we had an intern at my job at the time. She was like 19, and she came in Monday raving about how funny this movie was. And two of my coworkers went to see it, and they came in the next morning going, "What the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it." So it's weird. It's not nearly to the level that Forgetting Sarah Marshall is, mm-hmm. of course. Uh, but it does take Jonah Hill's takes Jonah Hill and puts him into a different character. Right, right, right. He's the uh, best thing about that movie, though, right? I love Jonah Hill. Well, and I think Puff Daddy Puff is Daddy. the best thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah okay, yeah. fair enough. <laughs> yeah. But the music in that, because it, it, it goes with all this stuff with uh, Aldous Snow's career of where he, he does this mishandling of this song called African Child yeah. and everything. But then, like, when you get into his back catalog and all that stuff called The Clap and, you know, all that stuff, it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty good stuff. And then yeah. you got, uh, of course, uh, Rose Byrne and her ring around the rosy song which is about butt sex and everything right right right. which is the second time butt sex has come up on this podcast i really feel great about that Mm -hmm. it's a theme it's a metaphor um but anyway it's 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 a fun movie i I shouldn't say don't see it uh definitely youtube the songs at least though because it's a lot of fun i guess technically you know this probably is asking you know movies like singing in the rain sound of music all that type of stuff i mean singing in the rain's great too mm-hmm. sound of the music's great west side story's great i mean i i, I do we really want to answer the question that you've heard the answer you've heard a million yeah, times exactly. that's where that's right. why i like why we went that way yeah, yeah guys and dolls you know west side story they're all awesome yeah you know that by now it's guys and dolls not guys and guys yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the third stealth seinfeld reference i've put out today nice. <laughs> You want to do one more? Yeah, sure. I, t- I think we got time for one more. Well, this kind of follows up to what we were talking about before here. What films were great upon release, but have aged the worst? Mm. Oh, I'm going to steal the answer here so you guys can't take it. Return of the Jedi, I think, is a, a really good answer for this. Okay. Because, oh, yeah. uh, as we said in the X-Men Apocalypse video, nobody walked out of Return of the Jedi going, that's no good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The third one always sucks. Right. <laughs> I don't even think at that point Empire had established its reputation as the best of what it comes thus far. Um, I think people came out of Return of the Jedi like, awesome. And over time, we've seen it you know, in its place in the trilogy as the more kid-friendly, the more driven by merchandising and whatnot. Um, so that's my answer. Mm. Good one. A top Gun. 
Oh, it's a good one. Uh, yeah, I th- I thought Top Gun was amazing. Yeah, yeah. And then I watched it recently, and mm-hmm. it is the cheesiest. That volleyball scene in uh, Top Gun. Almost everything. I can't about believe. Top Gun. I can't believe they made that scene. Yeah. Like it's just. It's <laughs> the only enduring scene from that is where they do the Unchained Melody or not Unchained Melody. You've lost that loving feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, for sure. But I yeah, mean, there's everything stuff else in there. <laughs> oh, I just I don't feel like. And the other yeah, one that I I will get flack for, I'm sure, is Forrest Gump. I don't feel like oh, Forrest Gump. Holds I don't up. think you'll get oh, that much. You're flack. in the right not place for that. Yeah, okay, I don't think you'll get. I mean, there. I remember people coming. I remember some people I respected coming out of Forrest gump back then saying oh, well that was a blockbuster mm-hmm. you know like that was a great movie you know sarca- sarcastically like i you know. really liked it when i saw it. i, I did, did too i did too for at sure at this point in fact on a previous podcast i said i don't know what the movie's trying to say to me and i saw a comment i think on soundcloud or reddit it was like you don't know what that movie's trying to say like like they were angry at me for saying that but did they really tell you what it was we didn't start the fire the movie mm-hmm. <laughs> no that's exactly right did they tell you what it was trying to say to you or did they just complain that i you didn't... think they wrote some dribble okay, about right. life and it's always that right they, they say like they always say uh you didn't get the point and then not say the point let me do, let me <laughs> no, throw let's have in a discussion <laughs> let's talk about it yeah. let me throw in a complete left turn for a minute there was a great thread on reddit the other day about uh has anybody in life force gumped them their way through major historical moments the way he does and somebody i got completely enlightened on this but apparently the civil war started and ended in the same guy's freaking living room like the civil war began he's he, the confederates were using his living room as their their base in that area um and the, the civil war began on his property he moved 100 miles away to somewhere else in virginia and like years later when it ended it was his house in appomattox courthouse oh, wow. that they commandeered wow. to sign the treaty and and i just thought that was freaking amazing yeah wow. there was also the guy that got struck by both atomic bombs that were dropped on hiroshima and oh, nagasaki yeah poor was in both places Oh wow yeah. well and there was also that. that couple who were who were in new york during 9-11 they were in india during the uh terrorist attacks there oh you're and right they were also in the london yeah london london oh my god so that that's uh some weird anyway stuff. i got a, i got us off track um yeah. i've got two movies one and this came up recently because we i watched this movie because of a movie recipe 16 candles oh, oh yeah. yeah um it's it's John Hughes, uh, really like a great John Hughes movie, but also it's got horrible racial stereotypes yes. in it yep. and a very blase attitude towards what happens when women are drunk and just the guy, the main guy in there is like, tells Anthony Michael Hall, hey man, she's so bombed, it doesn't matter, just yeah. have sex with her, it's not a big deal, you know, and <laughs> nobody, I mean, I, I guess in the 80s, that type of thing wasn't discussed or whatever, like maybe that wasn't, I mean, I'm sure that wasn't a taboo or else it wouldn't have been in the movie, but man oh man when you watch it now it's so it's i think uh, the skull sound is the worst thing about yes. that movie and i don't even know how that played in the 80s because if i was an asian american in the 80s that would have offended me. i bet i bet it played perfectly fine to most audiences but yeah to asian american people and just asians in general i think yeah they probably sh- definitely didn't like it because mm-hmm. good answer. Well, this is like was it the dragon the bruce lee story we see him watching uh watching uh breakfast at tiffany's 
in that mm. in that thing and you oh, see mickey rooney, rooney yeah. see mickey rooney playing that and you and you see everybody laughing around bruce lee and his wife is like sitting looking at him he's just looking at it just stone-faced and yeah. just like sad that this is the type of thing that goes on in movies probably the same thing with yeah. with that yeah. but the other one that i wanted to bring up was knocked up and i like knocked up mm-hmm. uh but there are so many contemporary references in that movie and when you watch it now, it just, you know, there's like Mattis Yahoo reference. There's <laughs> Ryan Seacrest, who's like, got to go do American Idol. Hideki Matsui. Hideki Matsui, <laughs> Spider-Man 3, all this stuff that I this comes. <laughs> there's all this stuff that they, that, that, you know, it's funny at the time, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I totally know who, De- who Deki Matsui is, but then. 10 years down the line, you watch that movie again. Who's Mattis Yahoo? Who's Hideki Matsui? Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of that. But yeah, Knocked Up's got some funny. It's, it's funny movie. I love it. But what is that going to, how's that going to play, you know, later on? Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Mattis Yahoo reference. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> <I> random. <laughs> I don't know if people knew him back in that day. No, or no, not really. So I'm going with a fairly recent one, too. And this is not a great movie, certainly, but it has aged very poorly for me. It's Cruel Intentions. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh. Um, when I came out of that, I mean, I was the perfect target age range. I was like eight, 18, 19 when I saw that. And, you know, I mean, it was a fun, like, take on uh, Dangerous Liaisons and everything. And you go back and you watch it now, and the way they treat, like, predatory nature onto women, the way that they treat homosexuality, not to mention those are the big things. The, the small things are the fashion. Yeah. <laughs> so late 90s. And it, it just, I, it's unwatchable to me now. Mm-hmm. It, it just doesn't, and I ended, I really liked it back in the day. Yeah, they were evil. Yeah. <laughs> that story works a lot better in the past than yes. it does with teenagers. Yes, in it does. Exactly. If you put that it, Selma Blair stuff makes me really uncomfortable. Yeah. Like the Ryan Phillippe stuff with her, like he's really a dick to her. Yeah. And uh, he doesn't care. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I agree. Good answer. Good answer. Yeah. Sweet. Let's give Aaron a chance to remind everybody where they can find his yeah. stuff. Yeah, if you're interested, uh, I would say you can search up your movie friend on YouTube and uh, sub there. You can also uh, subscribe to the podcast, which is Sift Pop, S-I-F-T-P-O-P. We do uh, pretty much a weekly. We take a week off every once in a while. But uh, we basically, it's a review podcast, so we'll review whatever movie comes out that week. And then we'll do another pop culture topic. And then we each have like buried treasure uh, where we pick something out of pop culture and let people know about it. So have a lot of fun doing that. I do that with uh, Andrew Ormsby, who does the YouTube channel Flick Freaks. Okay. Uh, so we do that together, and then we have a guest on uh, every week. Jeremy has guested on that. In fact, you were in the first five episodes of Sif Pop when it wasn't called Sif Pop. So. Awesome. Awesome. So, yeah. Was that the Breaking first Bad five? Time, the very first five. If you go back, it's still in the you know, in the lineup. Oh, so wow. uh, this was before CinemaSins had happened and everything. Oh, we, we were reviewing terrible yeah, movies. Yeah. Uh, what did you make me watch? There was so one many things. I was really mad. So many things. I don't know. Uh, did we do the the best exotic marigold hotel? I think that was one of the first few that we did. <laughs> wow. I didn't like see that. that. I didn't <laughs> so, see that. But I remember there was one that I had to watch, and it was your fault. Yeah. No, I, I get blamed for that a lot. <laughs> well, on Sith Pop, you've got YouTube and regular podcast, iTunes type of stuff on that, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Sith Pop is on. Yeah, you can find it if you do iTunes, if you do, uh, you know, Stitcher or however you do your podcasts, mm-hmm. uh, you can find it there. So I recommend those. Uh, probably is a good place. Place to start uh, yourmoviefriend.com is the website if you want to go to the website awesome so, well man thanks for coming out yeah man. thanks yeah. for coming oh, this was a blast man i would uh, i mean you know long time listener first time participator so <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh-huh, good time <laughs>
All right. Well, that's going to do it for the Zencast. Uh, keep going to SoundCloud, telling us what you think. Yeah, man. There was a lot of uh, dissenting opinions on our Harry Potter mini pod. Or fantastic the Fantastic Beast one. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm good with that. Yeah. Keep them coming, man. Yeah. You know, whatever it is, if you like it, if you disagree with it, we'll hash it out. Right. Brother, like sisters, Aaron it's said, fine. We're not mad if you like Fantastic Beasts. Exactly. Yeah, go have a good time. Exactly. Yeah, it's not let's, like. Let's figure out. We're just talking here. We're just talking. Wait a minute. Do there, uh, there are people who like that movie? <laughs> <laughs> I had no clue. I'm going to get in my car today and start spreading the word. Yeah, there shouldn't, you go. Shouldn't like that movie. No, and I thought we were pretty good about it. Yeah, too. I mean, we're we're gonna talk through the whole process. I mean, th- that's what this whole comment station on SoundCloud is good for. Feel free to to comment anywhere else, but SoundCloud is great. Also, we'll have a link to uh, Aaron's business in the uh, description of the of cool. this episode. Yeah, and Thank if you're you. gonna tell us that we suck, tell us why we suck. Yeah, don't, don't just say you suck. Yeah, don't say you got this wrong and then not say anything. Just give give us a good detail. We we will read all of that. Yeah, will be good. Absolutely. Yeah, and if you're saying it to me, be ready for a conversation because I love dialogue. I love, yeah, you know, talking about stuff. So yeah, all right, okay, guys. Well, that's the Syncast. It's Chris Agnes and Jeremy Scott Barrett Sharon, Aaron Dicer. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. I got my notes. I got got my tannin oil. By the way, Barrett, thanks for the shout out on the Reddit AMA. Oh, that was definitely, man. Really cool of you. Oh yeah, I love your shit. Oh, I, I is it okay that. to like curse around you? <laughs> <laughs> He's, I you don't would, know. Like, he yeah, listens to this podcast, like, okay, so he okay. knows what we are about. <laughs> All right. I mean, I still don't curse, but it's like if, it's only because if I were to try, I'd be like Mel Gibson in Signs, <laughs> like, <laughs> like run around the house. And, I'm just like, I would be no I'm very good at, angry. Right, exactly. Like, I would be no I'm good I'm losing at my it. mind. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't watch out. Cause I'm going to say fuck. <laughs> it's so you interesting. It. It's all up to you. How okay. sounds become, you know, imbibed with such power. You yeah. Know? And that's my thing is that is that it. That's, that's why it's always been funnier to me to bleep the swear words mm-hmm. because everyone knows what i'm saying right it's just it's just a syllable and in 50 years it might mean something completely different right and so who cares yep that's my general view yep yeah there's 25 of us mm. we have the Damn. the four guys their four wives and then you know All amongst us we have 17 children so wow yeah <clears throat> it's like a family reunion but you're not related mm. do you uh, exactly right. do you swap no no there's oh. no swapping involved <laughs> No. <laughs> Damn. No. Yeah, I'm assuming you mean children, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Assuming yeah. you're just talking about. No, no. We keep all our own kids. Yeah. What? What fun are kids unless you can just give them to other people every right. once in a while? Not to be confused for the Fantastic Four. No. No. Fucking That's correct. <laughs> you guys watch the Evil Dead TV show? No, I no. haven't. Oh, Ash versus yeah. whatever. No, yeah. I haven't seen it. Well, I, if you love, you know, that kind of. You should check it out. Is Raimi involved in that at all? Is he like a producer? Or I something? think so. You would think he would be, yeah, right? Absolutely. Because he created the character. Yeah, he probably is like an either an in name only executive producer or you know something. But it's like or... a real meta show, isn't it? 
It's very meta. Yeah. Yeah. I like that kind of stuff. I might have to check it out. If you want people to come and see it, a motherfucker got to be able to tell his woman where he's going to take her. It stinks. <laughs>